the Bronx Bombers. It is hot. It is far. It is gone. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Yankees win. The Yankees win. The fan on 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. McCartan in the morning. McCartan after midnight here on The Fan in New York City. This is what we call the hard open, the official open. So good morning, everybody. I'll be talking all things New York sports until 6 a.m. On this late Monday night, early Tuesday morning here in New York City, the city that never sleeps. So whatever you're doing at the moment, um, I, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now throughout the rest of of the next four hours, whether it be on your car radio, streaming WFAN.com, the free Odyssey app, whatever it is. So I welcome the night owls. I welcome the early birds that are out there catching those worms. And, of course, here in the Big Apple, Sus, Susumu Araki, and I are coming to you live from the lower Manhattan studio of Carton and Roberts or Mike Francesa. And go ahead, 877-337-6666 is the number Taking your calls ASAP here. So uh, just a quick programming thing. Yesterday morning, you heard my conversation with Cleon Jones about his new book, and it's called Coming Home, My Amazing Life at the New York Mets. That was the third installment of Danielle's WFAN book club. Uh, This morning, we're going to get installment number four already. So soon, my August selection, because Cleon Jones was the July selection. It was just a little bit scheduling nightmare, but we worked it out, you know. So the August selection... Uh, it's the history of the Nets from Teaneck to Brooklyn by Rick Lachlan, and he'll be joining me live coming up at 2.40. That's a live phone call. He picked 2.40. I said, you go for it. <laughs> so uh, uh, book four, a history of the Nets from Teaneck to Brooklyn, Rick Lachlan, 2.40. So um, this Yankee game, this Yankee lost. I mean, but let, let's just talk about it this way. It was a showdown between the top two candidates for AL MVP. Aaron Judge at Shohei Otani. And it almost did not live up to the billing, quite honestly. If Phil Nevin had anything to do with it, he was like, nope. Uh, the TV in the studio says, press any button to continue watching this channel. Okay, so I pressed TV up. And then I press TV down, and it's saying the same thing. I don't know. Whatever. Um, But Phil Nevin. Oh, yeah. So if I had a vote, um, I would choose Aaron Judge. That's my vote. No chance Shohei Otani wins this, right? I mean, in in Anaheim, California, Angel Stadium, which is not known for its... Um, attendance. <laughs> uh, it was a sellout crowd on a Tuesday night. This is what baseball needs. Talk about the club going up on a Tuesday. This is what baseball needs. And then Phil Nevin was like, not so fast. He did his best to play spoiler for every fan watching, both in the ballpark and at home. He issued not one, but two intentional base on balls to Aaron Judge. Everybody in that stadium was there to see, in my opinion. You, you heard the crowd. Uh, Phil Nevin, he was like, he said, screw this on the fan engagement. He said, what storyline? And, and Nevin, he's a great guy. 
but he's also doing what he thought was best for his team to win the game. He's he's managing for a job. And it was clear cut that he was not going to let Aaron Judge beat him. But Aaron Judge did send one. It was a 434 feet into the rocks in center field. I mean, MVP chance broke out at three different points in California during that half inning. Each time, every time, they were booed and corralled by the Angels fans. But who cares? He's still the clear-cut winner. I don't care. And, and per the Yes Network broadcast, they said this is the second time this season and only the second time in his career that Judge has been intentionally walked twice in a game. The other time, June 10th versus the Cubs, in that game, Rizzo was 0-4 for 4 behind him. And as we just talked about, that role was given to Andrew Benintendi tonight. And he, too, did not live up to billing. He was 1-4, for 4 with, and he left four runners stranded on base. I mean, Aaron Boone has to do better. Otani follows Trout. Where is Stanton following Judge in the lineup? Or vice versa? But I did say this this was a showdown between the top two AL MVP candidates. But to me, there is no competition. I mean, Aaron Judge is on pace to make Yankee history, to hit 63 home runs in a season. And now the, the baseball fan outside of New York says, oh, big whoop. That's Yankee history. Okay, well, let's expand it to, to Major League Baseball history. 63 home runs, which is what Aaron Judge is on pace for. 63 home runs in a single season would tie Sammy Sosa for sixth all-time. Sixth place of home runs hit in a single season. All-time. Across Major League Baseball. No steroids needed. I mean, you look up and down that list. It's Barry Bonds at the top, then then, uh, Mark McGuire, and then a combination of McGuire-Sosa. Uh, those are all steroid users. So show me where Shohei is on that list. Now, you don't have to because I looked it up. You have to scroll all the way down to 108th. Aaron Boone said after the game, he said, this is a quote, it's 50 and it's August. It's hard to wrap your mind about how incredible this is. It's really special what he's doing. And Aaron Judge they tried real hard to get him to they tried to get him to take the bait and he did not. Aaron Judge did not take the bait after the game. And he said this is a quote. I wish we could have come away with a win, but it's just another number. When you show up every day to win a game, you don't get caught up in individual numbers. So, he didn't take the bait. They tried real hard to get Aaron uh, um Giancarlo Stanton to take the bait after the game and he didn't either. So, um is it a charade that they're putting on? Well, if it is a charade, they're doing a good job of it. Internally, once those clubhouse doors close, I'm sure there's a little bit of a little bit of a celebration going on tonight for Aaron Judge in his 50th home run. They did get the ball back uh, because Judge said he believed it landed in the in the bullpens. And I I, I was driving at the time. Um, I was on uh, on the highways, the mean highways, the empty highways of New Jersey. So I, I actually didn't see where it landed. Um, but Judge said it landed in the bullpen, one of the bullpens. So he got it back. So that that's where we're at. This this showdown between these two a- candidates for AL MVP. I mean, it's 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 not even close, in my opinion. 
It's it's Aaron Judge. Unfortunately, the Yankees dropped the game to the Angels. But uh, to me, tonight, the bigger story is Aaron Judge hitting his 50th home run after being walked intentionally twice. And three runs on six hits, not great. LeMahieu, Stanton, Torres combining 0 for 11. Also, not what you want to see. To the phones we go at 877-337-6666 in the order that you called. Robbie out there in Phoenix, you're up here on the fan. Yes, hi. The Good morning once again. I'm getting tired of this Yankee team. They look slow, lethargic. Uh, the only one pulling his weight is Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think this team is reflecting its manager. Yep. Aaron Boone is awful. He's got to go. I would fire him now and just put in Luis Rojas. Well, they just extended I mean, him, now, though. I mean, they had every opportunity to, to mutually part ways with him, amicably part ways with him, and they didn't. They just re-upped him. This is his first year on the new deal. They're not firing yeah, him. He's not going anywhere. No, 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 no. But you have to admit you made a mistake. They're not going to. That they made a mistake. And, and here's the thing. He's not only the worst manager in, in baseball – He's the worst manager coach in all of New York sports. When I hear him, he reminds me so much of Rich Kotite. Oh. Doesn't hold anyone accountable. He's terrible. Come on now. He's awful. But guess what? Let me he's not going question. he's not going anywhere. He he's just not going anywhere. They had the opportunity to do it and they did not. So that's what does that tell you? That they like him. He's no, a I, yes I, man. They love him. He, he reads the computer data and he puts it out there and that's it. Yeah, but you're embarrassing your franchise. It's an, let, let me ask you this question. If he weren't managing just for two weeks, would there be a tremendous difference? I ask your listeners, tell me what he does well. Can anyone out there in this city of New York tell me, what does Aaron Boone do well? I have Maybe a, two things the guy does well. I got one important thing. Things. Yeah, no, it's what? not an important thing. Here's what I was going to say. I think that the players love him because he never throws them under the bus. He's you know he's even keeled in the press conferences. He, you know, for the most part, I think that he's a player players manager. Um, but but that's it. He, I almost want to. I almost envision him more as like a friend than a manager to those guys. A peer versus a superior. Yeah, you can't even take him seriously. Look, he's in over his head. He should have never had this job. The players are not responding to him. I'm telling you, I've been watching Yankee baseball since 74. He is a horrible manager. He had no business having this job, and it's showing. I blame him for a lot. I also blame Cashman. But Aaron Boone is the worst manager that I've ever seen, and I think he'll be the worst you'll ever see for many generations to just to come. He should not be in this spot. He's got to go. Give. I, I just wish they would give Luis Rojas. Now, I know Rojas is no Billy Martin, but he'd be better than Booth. Anyone is better. Yeah, I, see, that's the problem here. Robbie, good good call there. Thank you for that. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get the phone lines lit up after that. But the Yankees had, like I said, the Yankees had every opportunity to make a, a clean break from Aaron Boone at the end of last season, and they decided they were going to re-up him. He's not going anywhere. I mean, maybe the blame should fall more on the shoulders of Brian Cashman. Failure to address the starting pitching rotation at the trade deadline. Frankie Montas sucks. Sorry. 
Right now, he's terrible. Okay, he's your number two starter, by the way, and he's horrible. You want Frankie Montas in a in a postseason matchup over Jordan Montgomery? Really? I'd like to talk to you. The, the lineup up and down. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it's the same. It's, this is the same call. I mean, the Yankees are how many games ahead of the Rays in the AL East, and 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 you could see right through it that this lineup, in my opinion, and I'm sure in, in Robbie's too doesn't have what it takes to, to go deep into the Wake Up World Series run. And, 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 Aaron, and, and, and lost in all of this is Aaron Judge's, you know, this negativity is Aaron Judge's pursuit of the Yankee home run record, which he's going to break. He's got like over a month to hit, what is it? Uh, 11 to tie, 12 to break it? Come on. Uh, Brian in Parsippany, New Jersey, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, uh, Danielle. Yeah, I, I think uh, the previous caller stole uh, stole some of my thunder, and I think I think you did too. Prior to the break, as it relates to the shuffling of the lineup, so you know it doesn't matter if you're playing in a high level softball league or if you're playing major league baseball. You cannot shuffle the lineup every yes. single night yep. and expect consistent results. It's almost like Aaron Boone is thinking to himself as he blows bubbles in the manager's office in in western Cal- in California it's like oh we're playing the the um, bottom feeders of Oakland and LA so i can just throw out whoever i want onto the field no aaron they're still major league ball players with trout and otani no notice to aaron Boone. um Lemayu, ben and Tenney is hitting I'm sorry, uh, 320 or 303, I'm sorry, 302. Can we leave him in the leadoff spot? At one can point, he was hitting 600 in the leadoff spot. 600 in the first can, four games. Can, can we just leave the guy there for two or three days? Yeah. He shuffles this lineup, and it's so funny that you mentioned this before the break because one of my buddies texted me and was so irate and so pissed off because it's like these are winnable games. And, you know, it's the old story. You have to beat the teams that are in front of you. That's right. These are winnable games. And it's just like we're almost offering these games up on a, on a plotter. We just lost two games to the worst team in baseball. It's like where is the sense of urgency here? And, and yes, a fish rots from the head down. So let's talk about Brian Cashman mm-hmm. for a second. Mm-hmm. Too many, too 20 hitters on this team. Let's talk about the 220 hitters. Rizzo, I give a pass because when he came on the Yankees, he was just Godzilla. But he's hitting 233. Okay, now let's move on from Rizzo. Stanton is hitting 233. He swings at the low slider that's away every single time. He's a sucker for that pitch. Well, listen, I mean, every batter on the New York Yankees is batting in the 200s. Every single batter, including Aaron Judge, he's 293. Right, but I mean, Judge, Judge is having a, a lifetime, a sure. lifetime year. But mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of guys. Uh, Trevino is having a great year. Um, Connor Falefa. Uh, there's a lot of Yankee fans that crap on him. He's hitting two sixty four, which is basically Babe Ruth on this team. Um, <laughs> Donaldson Donaldson is a complete garbage, hitting two twenty four. I don't care about the walk off grand slam. Lo Castro can't hit his weight. He's hitting a buck sixty. 
a buck seventy five. Higashioka, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize him because he plays great D. Mm-hmm. But you get where I'm coming from. Yep. One of their bright points is Cabrera playing. You know, he played the first Yankee ever to play four positions in his first month as a Yankee. This guy is a, a generational talent. I, I think he's probably going to take generational talent. I think we should pump I, the brakes on that. I mean, come on. Very solid. Generational talent. You know who I quick categorize as generational talent, like Trout, like Judge. Come on. All right, I hear you. He's not a slugger, but he just played four positions in a month. That's great. He's a great utility guy. He's going to make the postseason roster because of it, Brian. Um, But Peraza, generational talent. That's where I got to let you go, man. Uh, it's great, though. I mean, it's really, it's really good. It, it, he comes in there. He's a jolt of energy a little bit. He he, he barely plays any outfield, and he, he's making catches up against the wall, which which is very hard to do, especially if you're not used to doing it. Uh, so so I get it, right? And and you know something just dawned on me as as the Yankee game is um is playing again, like the encore here in the studio. Something just dawned on me that they traded Jordan Montgomery, right? And then they reissued the number 47 to Frankie Montas. Like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a little dig, isn't it? I know Montas wore 47 himself, but I don't really know. It's, uh, it's a little something, isn't it? I don't know. Is there something to it or am I just too much reading into this? Because um, Frankie Montas, who, again, was never high up on my radar at all for either of the two New York teams at the trade deadline. He continues to stink up the place for the Yankees. And Jordan Montgomery, who also wears number 47, just keeps rolling right along, pitching in in another home ballpark elsewhere. And I'm still trying to figure this one out. And Frankie Montas, who at this very moment slots in as the Yankees' second starter, is a glaring weakness. In this starting pitching staff, thinking long-term, short-term and long-term. Have something to say? We'll answer the phone. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. After midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Can't get through on the phones. You could tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Just going through a few of them on the break. A few good ones, actually. Two of them I'd like to read to you. Uh, Rod Benedetti. He said, agreed. Montas is terrible. Right now he is the fifth starter. Can't trust him in October. I wrote back 0% right now. Then I got another one from Vincent Russo we were just talking about as well. He said, why is Benintendi not batting leadoff? He was on fire and just starting to take off. Uh, these are all great questions that I wish I had the answer to. Ask them myself. Because Frankie Montas, since the trade deadline and not counting tonight's game, had a laughable 7.32 ERA. Jordan Montgomery, since the trade deadline, after what I would consider to be a bad outing against the Braves, He's still at a filthy 1.76 ERA. So even two outings ago, he had a one-hit complete game shutout. Jordan Montgomery, that is. And and now the Yankees have the wrong number 47 on the mound for him, clearly. I mean, you mean to tell me 
that there was no room for Jordan Montgomery on this postseason rotation, but there's there's room for Frankie Montas to right now slot in as the number two guy. You keep drinking that Kool-Aid, man. I mean, Montas did his best impression of a home run derby picture like a couple an hour and a half ago. Bottom of the second, he gave up a home run to a guy for the first run of the game, a guy who only had 10 home runs to that point. I mean, as a comparison, Jose Trevino has 10 home runs through on the season. Okay, so we're not talking about like a trout, you know what I mean? Bottom of the third, after the trout hit by pitch, I mean, everyone likes to talk about the mental makeup of Garrett Cole on the mound, but did you see the really, really bad body language? My dad calls it body English. But did you really see the real bad body language by Montas after that? I mean, it happened again, if you missed it, happened again later in the game. Fast forward to the bottom of the fifth when that ball landed in that no-man's-land triangle behind the infield dirt. Montas grabbed his belt buckle. He made this disgusting look. I mean, like, worry about you, dude. Shortly thereafter was the go-ahead Otani two-run home run to right field. It was a a fourth splitter in a row. Like, even, I literally was like, even I know Shohei Otani's going to time that up and run into one. I mean, mix it up, man. And he he said after the game, this is Frankie Montas, he said, when you throw to a good hitter, and I paraphrase this part because I couldn't get it in time, but he said, when you throw to a good hitter, Basically saying four pitches, four of the same pitches in a row, and this is this is a direct quote. He said, "They're going to hit it pretty good." Well, what the hell, man? That, I mean, that's not a physical mistake, which I could deal with. Ball slips, bad location, whatever. That's a physical mistake. They happen in the game of baseball, but that pitch sequencing was a total mental combustion. That I cannot deal with. And if you want to take one step back, bottom of the fourth, Mike Ford. Oh, the Mike Ford that used to play for the Yankees hit his first home run of the season. Tied the game at two. So, I mean, Frankie Montas might as well have been a home run derby pitcher tonight. On the night, eight hits, four runs, all earned, six strikeouts, and a whopping three home runs. And and, and you, you think, okay, what about Luis Castillo? Well, since the trade deadline, he's got a 2.84 ERA. So, after about a month after the trade deadline... Jordan Montgomery is out pitching all of them. Oh, and by the way, you know, looking at what a potential Yankee Reds trade would have looked like for Castillo based on what the Mariners sent over, here's how that translated into Yankee land. They would have had to send their number one prospect, Anthony Volpe, their number three prospect, Oswald Peraza, and their number five prospect at the time, Ken Waldachuk, and one more unranked prospect. I mean, are you making that trade? I'm not. I'm not with both Volpe and Praz in the deal, and I can't watch much more of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa playing defense at shortstop out there. So, no, I guess that wouldn't have worked either. Jordan Montgomery has outpitched both Frankie Montas and Luis Castillo since the trade deadline. Go ahead and look. If I haven't convinced you yet, go ahead and do your own research. 877-337-6666 is the number uh, in the order that you called, of course, John in Long Beach Island, you're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. Good morning. How are you today? Doing good. How are you? Good, good. Long time. Haven't spoken to you. Listened a lot, though. I enjoy Thank your you. show very much. Thank you. Um, I'm talk- talking about the Yankees. and listening to the call. Is that, you know, everybody kind of steals your thoughts as, as they go on. Yeah, of course. Um, um, but I'm interested in, like, who's actually, who's the one that's telling 
boom, to fill in the lineup card? Is, is it him? Is it Cashman? Because I, I they mean, can't this, have this, to, this they, John, this seems to be the million dollar question each and every season for the past, the years that I've been on here. It's the same question. Who knows? I don't know. And you know, and you know, when you brought up playing ball, or I was playing ball way back in the day, it was always about consistency. I played first base, and I was always batting third or fourth. Yep, I played shortstop. I was always batting second. Exactly, guys who could get you know get some hits, especially in little league. A little you know, guys hit. Some guys hit, some don't. Some want to run, some bunt. You know, they mix it up, but it was pretty consistent all year round. These guys, every time I watch them, it's a different episode. Yep. It's a different episode. It's like a cartoon. Yep. And uh, I don't know who's playing and where they're playing, and the consistency so far off. It's not even. It's not even legit. Yeah. Um, yep. Boone is. I if if they don't make it into the first first round. And, and have a success in that first round. Boone's got to go. Yep. And, 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 I, I would and even venture. Rip, rip. I would even venture to guess yeah. in the second round they don't have any success in the second round in the postseason. He's got to go, but they just re-upped him. Where is he going? I don't know. I don't. What? Were they going to hide him in the system somewhere? I don't know. I don't know. And, but but the worst of all was um, the owner uh, Steinbrenner getting booed on the field. Oh, that man. Old, old day, or you know. Uh, Day. You got a you got a first place in the AL East team by a lot by by a lot okay right, and right. they're booing the owner of the team I mean that that to me it, it speaks volumes of, of where the Yankee fans are at that was tough to watch tough to watch <laughs> yeah. can you imagine being Steinbrenner on the field that's embarrassing no no hey one other thing too I wanted to mention I know you you were down in AC I wanted to get to see you say hello something came up I couldn't make it but hopefully we'll we'll meet again hopefully John I appreciate it. All right. Everything's good down on LBI. Enjoy the rest of your summer. <laughs> good, good, good. You too, John. Thanks. Um, yeah. That's it. I, I talk to Yankee fans all night long, four hours, five hours a night on this radio station, and there's nothing more um, clear than, than, than seeing and hearing the booze of the owner at a Jersey retirement ceremony. Because the owner, I guess, just doesn't make himself available enough to the people. So they have to do it, unfortunately, at, at Paul O'Neill's ceremony. I mean, that's embarrassing for him, not for the fans. Fans are fed up. That's embarrassing for an owner, for a team that is so far in first place. It's embarrassing. That Yankee fans, Met fans, New York fans are smart fans. They're not fooled by it. Uh, let's go to Jimmy in Jersey City. You're up next on the fan, Jimmy. Danielle, Danielle, you're not going to like me because uh, Jordan Montgomery is uh, not who you think he is, Danielle. He talking is about a guy who he, with a, but, Danielle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to prove it to you. And I'm gonna, I don't want to hear no more about this Jordan Montgomery. Oh, no he's more? How about, how about his he's ERA 20. since the, the, tra- the trade yeah, deadline? How about his ERA before the trade deadline? Who cares? Who cares? He went. He went. He went. Let me talk. Let me talk so I can prove you wrong. No, uh, let me tell you something. He, you know what? You go ahead. I'm going to give you enough rope and go ahead. Well, do it. What is career record, Danielle? Do it. Career record. 22 and 20 as a Yankee. Oh, career 22 record. 22 and 20. And he's the only Danielle, player on the team. Danielle, Danielle, and he's the only player on the team. Okay. Hey, you're going to give me a point, and I'm going to rebut each and every point. Go ahead. He he's the only player on the team. He pitched 500 innings, Danielle. Okay. And he's the only he pr- he's the sole ERA person ERA responsible ERA. for winning a baseball game for the New York Yankees. Go ahead. Next point. To, to, to an ERA of four. In, 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 so, Danielle, he pitched 99 games for the Yankees, right? A total of 500 innings. How many innings is that a game he pitched, Danielle? 
How many innings a game? How many, come on, yeah, he's so good. How many innings a game? Come on. All right, let me, do, let, five let, me do, let me do that's the math. Five, that's, that's no, five first innings, of all, Danielle. First of all, that's five innings, Danielle. Five innings what? He pitched five innings. That was his average for 100 games, F- Danielle. 5.33, okay, over five, by the way. What do you think is standard no, no, across no, no, the no, league no, nowadays? You're, you're, you're going into a St. Louis now. No, I'm not. 99 games into 500 innings, Whatever. That's five, that's that's five innings a game. And how he many times? And how many times did Aaron? Seventy home How many times? Oh, 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 whoa, whoa! I'm gonna rebut the point as you say it. How many times was he in those games? And Aaron Boone is out there taking him out before he needs to. He did it to Tanaka. He did it to him. He was there before, he, he was there before uh, Boone got there, and he, and he was just horrible. He's oh. been horrible. He had one winning season, so, nine and seven. So you trust Frankie Montas over Jordan Montgomery? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah, no, Herman, Herman's the guy. Herman, 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 Herman. Okay. Herman, you don't think Herman's good? Come on. Come on, Daniel. He's your number two starter? Then guess what? You're not getting out of the first round. You're a moron. What's that? What was that? Guy hangs up. He calls me a moron and hangs up. You're a coward, Jimmy. You're a coward, bro. You're a coward. You can't handle it. You call me a moron and then you hang up. What I was about to say was, you got a guy like Jordan Montgomery who goes to a a, a place like St. Louis, who they clearly saw something in his mechanics here in New York, and they fixed him. Is that not plausible? That's not possible? Jimmy, you're a coward for hanging up the phone, bro. Okay? That's how that works. I didn't do it. Everybody listening, I did not do that. He did. You're drinking the Kool-Aid, Jimmy. Sorry to tell you. Montgomery clearly made an adjustment. How many times has he was he allowed to do a complete game for the New York Yankees? Aaron Boone's taking him out. He has expressed he, on TV. He has expressed his dis, displeasure with being taken out. You know, he, he after the games on multiple occasions, he said, "I had more in the tank. I could have pitched longer." He was clearly not happy here. He's clearly doing better where he is. And now you've got uh, 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 Frankie Montas on the mound wearing forty-seven, and he's got an ERA of like eight. I mean, really, what are we doing here? At least you prefaced it where you're not going to like my call. But you hung up, Jimmy. You're a coward. Kevin and Camden, you're up next on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? Oh, man, Kevin. <laughs> I, I can hear you. I, I was listening. I'm like, I don't know how to follow that. Well, I'll tell you. Frankie Montas, he stinks. All right? First off, and I know all the respect to Paul Rosenberg, totally disagree with him yesterday. Jordan Montgomery, that trade's looking really good right now. Yeah, really. For the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, this guy, he stinks. I mean, and then you, uh, he's geeky. I'm getting Sonny Gray vibes watching this guy. Yeah. He can't handle it. Yep. He can't handle it. And then you you gave up J.P. Sears, who's got a 1.70 ERA for the Athletics. You gave up Wall to Chuck. I mean, you gave up a lot for this. And this guy can't even pitch. This guy can't even play. Oh, it's just, this is just. And then, and I don't know if you saw this, but in the dugout after he gave up the four runs, he's laughing and joking with teammates. Yeah. I'm like, oh. what? Yo, first off, what? You, first, that pissed me off even more because oh. like, you, not only do you stink, but you don't even care, bro. This isn't Oakland, all right? Yeah. Where nobody cares. Right. This is New York. Yeah. All right. That pissed me off too. And I tell you, I hate to say it, I told you so to people. Mike Ford, home run. Good night. I called it. I said he's going to kill the Yankees when he gets a chance. Yep. I should, we should have put some money on that tonight, Kevin. What were the odds on Mike Ford to hit a home run tonight? We called. I told you. I told you last night that he was going to do it. You watch. I tweeted you. Yeah. Said he was going to do it, and he did. But I got to tell you, I'm going to another uh, quick football. 
Kenny Galladay, another bust. <laughs> this guy, he, yep. I don't know what's going on with Galladay, but he just major disappointment. Yep. $75 million well spent. Could have been the worst I was, deal I was the Giants happy have ever that, given I was out. happy that he was signed. But man, what a mistake he turned out to be. I don't know if he's going to get I – don't, I don't think they can cut him, but they got some three stinks. Yeah. No, I, I'm just so, I'm so fired up. To, I'm just in a really one of those moods, Coach. You know I hear me it. one of those nights. I hear it, Kevin. Me too, man. I hear it. Uh, and the one thing, thanks for the call there, Kevin. The one thing I would say about Kenny Galladay, yes, he's the biggest bust going. Uh, I, w- I would just like to see him in the offense. I mean, I know he was a no-show pretty much throughout preseason, so I, I don't think I'm uh, prognosticating a complete turnaround for him. But um, he, he wasn't utilized correctly in that last offense. So I'd like to just see, before we, we label him big bust, just like, Bekai Becton. I called Bekai Becton a big bust. Online, people are like, oh, man, I can't believe Danielle called Bekai Becton a bust. Are you kidding me? What was she thinking? Oh, yeah, where are you now? Are you hanging up on the phone like Jimmy did? Are you guys hanging up on me, too? Okay. The hits keep coming. Oh, what a judging blast. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Way up in the bleachers. The fan on 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. to McCartan in the morning here on the fan in New York City on the line live right now Rick Laughlin author of a history of the Nets from Teaneck to Brooklyn joins us right here live on the fan Rick thanks for joining us uh, thanks for having me all right let us get right into this okay so um why was it important for you to chronicle the history of the team that we know now as the Brooklyn Nets Look, I mean, this is a franchise, and I know that there's been a lot of tension on on the New York Yankees and even the New York Mets bringing back old-timers day. Uh, But this is a franchise in the Brooklyn Nets now that have really shunned and run away from their history. And, you know, I know, Danielle, you've had an opportunity to look through the book. In the early chapters, I mean, it's incredible when you – go back to 1967, how this franchise actually began. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to speak to Herb Turetsky, who was the scorekeeper for the first ever game at the Teaneck Armory for the New Jersey Americans. And who would have known that he would basically be keeping score for that game just as a favor for a friend and be the scorekeeper for 54 years, carrying the, the team through many, many moves to many different venues from New Jersey out to Long Island, back to New Jersey, and then eventually, of course, to Brooklyn. Uh, just an incredible story and one that I felt like needed to be told. You know, Rick, you went way back to the beginning, to Teaneck. What was the most difficult part in your research in, in creating this? I would probably say those early years, you know, from 1967 uh, through the ABA years, you know, I leaned heavily on uh, Herb, who was a, a team historian, obviously saw the entire course of the franchise starting in humble beginnings, basically in a glorified gymnasium in Teaneck. And then to what we see today, a billion dollar asset in Brooklyn competing for, you know, with the New York Knicks to, to get the most attention in the New York market. It's just incredible. When you look at how the New York Knicks were basically the bigger brother in this New York basketball landscape at every step of the way, trying to give the Nets and at the time the New Jersey Americans such problems, Arthur Brown, who was the first owner of the team, really wanted the team to be stationed in New York. 
and none of the venues that were within the state lines of New York, New York City, even Long Island, wanted to ruffle the feathers of the Knicks and, uh, you know, Arthur Brown really that first year when they were known as the New Jersey Americans had to settle on the T-neck armory. And frankly, that amounted to a pit stop. They couldn't wait to get out of New Jersey to get New York on the chest of the uniforms. Mm-hmm. And they did that that second year when they moved to Nassau Coliseum. And basically, it's funny because history ends up repeating itself. I, mean, I know the Nets had a prolonged stay from the early 80s up through about 2012 in New Jersey, but it seemed like those final few years in New Jersey, they couldn't wait to get out of there and get now to Brooklyn. So uh, history is a funny way of repeating itself. And I know that, again, the Nets have such a nomadic nomadic type of history, it's, it's even difficult to track the eight different arenas they played in. Yeah, that's the word I wrote down in my notes. We're talking with Rick Lachlan for the author of uh, History of the Nets from Teaneck to Brooklyn. Um, and this is my August selection for Danielle's WFAM book club. You know, I, Rick, you know I'm a Bergen County native. I've driven past that Teaneck armory countless times in my life. I cannot imagine a professional basketball team calling it home. It's incredible, and you know they, the Nets have actually had pretty, you know, close ties to Bergen County. Whether that was they were practicing at Fairleigh Dickinson at Teaneck, and you know, uh, there's stories told in the book where they're basically sharing gym time and having a rotating schedule with, you know, let's say the women's volleyball team or whoever's using the facility at that time, and it became something that wasn't sustainable. That was when John Calipari uh, took over, so they bounced from Teaneck, uh, from the FU Teaneck to playing at Ramapo College. My alma mater. I love that. A little shout-out in there. I had a little pride in that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, oddly enough, Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, Madison, so Fairleigh Dickinson University is my alma mater. uh, Wow. Yeah, and and Calipari. So when he took over, I mean, the Nets were even in in a a stranger position because they were playing at ADP trucking facility where you had Nets players, coaches, any of the staff that were sharing locker rooms with – truck drivers who were driving cross-country. So imagine that. So that didn't last very long when John Calipari came in and tried to really set a new culture for that team and and add legitimacy to the franchise. And he was responsible for ultimately building what was at uh, 390 Murray Hill Parkway when the Nets had their facility at East Rutherford. So, yeah, again, I know the Nets are ingrained in Brooklyn at at this point, but, you know, they had very strong ties in Bergen County. Yeah, he said at this point, uh, you know, you obviously are a historian of the team, clearly based on this book. Given their nomadic history, do, do you think their stay in Brooklyn is going to be permanent, like forever? I mean, if history teaches us anything, I mean, if you were to ask me where the Nets are going to be in five years, in ten years, I honestly could not give you a definitive answer that they're going to be in Brooklyn. I mean, you see recent reports that Joe Sy now, you know, the team hemorrhaging money the Kevin Durant and the Kyrie Irving drama this entire summer. And, and look, winning cures all. If they're able to turn the course, turn the ship around and get it back on course, then, you know, all will be forgiven. But I think you have a fan base. And let's face it, a fan base that is young, right? I mean, if you're a fan of the Brook, quote-unquote Brooklyn Nets, they're going to be celebrating their 10th year in that borough right now. So there's a generation of Nets fans out there don't even remember the team being in New Jersey. Yeah. So. Um, if they're not successful with this current regime and with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and they have to start from scratch, you know, I don't know that this young generation of fans is, is basically just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving fans or they truly are Nets fans. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, Danielle, I, I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I would not be surprised if in five or ten years the Nets have possibly changed another location and to another venue and to another host city. 
on page, because I read every single word of, 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 your, of your book there, Rick. And on page 203, you talk about how the Barclays Center is, and this is a quote, in no way conducive to fans attending via car, thus discouraging longtime followers of the franchise from outside New York City from attending games. That includes me. I, 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 I identified with, with that part there. Are New Jersey Nets fans justified in feeling abandoned by the team? Yeah, and it's funny because you talk to any of the Brooklyn Dodgers fans that you know followed the team to Los Angeles. They say, how could you even say that when it's only a 13, 14-mile trek from where the Nets were playing at the time at the Meadowlands, Izod Center, to now Brooklyn? Um, but it really is. It, it was a ball. It was a game changer for Nets fans. I mean that that regime that was in there, Brett Yolmark, he really marketed strictly the Brooklyn brand. Really just cast aside any of the fans in New Jersey and Long Island. And when they moved there in 2012, it was almost the start and advent of a new franchise as opposed to trying to make this a almost a tri-state metropolitan area team. And I think that was one of the big marketing flaws when they moved to Brooklyn was you already had well-established Knicks fans that were living there. And, you know, people that wanted to follow the Nets maybe were from Long Island or New Jersey, other parts of the tri-state area didn't necessarily have this affinity or connection to Brooklyn, even though it was a viable business opportunity for Bruce Ratner and the four city enterprises. So I think the Nets are still, frankly, trying to build inroads and establish a consistent season ticket holder base in Brooklyn. And very difficult thing to do, especially when you have non-committal players as the faces of your franchise. Right. We're talking with Rick Lachlan, owner and curator of NetsInsider.com here on the fan. Um, I, 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 Love how you chronicled the misses of this team. Like, there was a real possibility of a guy named, oh, I don't know, Lou Alcindor, who could have suited up for the team that we know now as the Nets. Can you imagine a world where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar becomes not only, not just a, a legendary Laker, but instead a legendary Net? How would that have changed the trajectory of that team? Uh, yeah, exactly. It's not. It's almost like a bizarre universe that the fact that you know in that ABA year that George Mikan, who of course was you know a well-known Hall of Fame player in the NBA at the time, is the commissioner of the ABA and essentially had had a check in his pocket that could have brought the not only Al Cinder to the Nets, but been a uh, representative of the ABA, and who knows how that would have changed the course of ABA and NBA history and Nets history, I should say. Mm-hmm. And of course, he said, you know, as a negotiating tack let's wait for a follow-up meeting so we can sweeten the pot, so to speak. And that never happened. The Milwaukee Bucks basically offered uh, the sweeter deal at the time. And even though the Nets tried to counter and, and get back into the game late, uh, you know, Lou Alcindor, who Kareem, later known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, basically, you know, went with the team that wanted him and offered him the, the most aggressive deal. So it's just fascinating to see both how the ABA and the Nets trajectory would have changed, and even the Kobe Bryant drama. Before I was going to bring that up too. Draft. I know that's it, nuts. It, I mean, that they were hot and heavy with Kobe Bryant. I learned through your book, and they had a, a meeting at the Radisson on Route Three in Secaucus. I mean, the Nets decided to go in a different direction. Are you kidding me? And it's you know, it just reflects that era of the team where you had eight. Yet the Skalkis seven with really eight owners. The eighth was silent, and it was they couldn't get on the same page about anything. Whether it was remaining as the New Jersey Nets, they had a proposed name change to the Swamp Dragons, and they became the only team that every other team voted for that name change, and the Nets in the end voted against themselves because they couldn't agree because of other you know political forces. You know, Governor Chris Christie, Governor. uh, Christy Whitman at the time yeah. really didn't love that name change, and neither did David Stern. So basically, from those that those forces, the Nets voted that name change down, 
And the same thing happened in that situation. So I think that ultimately the Nets just had a very disjointed ownership situation that created a lot, a lot of headaches at the time. And cope from Kobe Bryant more, most recently back to Julius Irving. I mean, ownership knew that he was, as you write in your book, a history of the Nets from Teaneck to Brooklyn. Ownership knew that he was a cultural icon and a trendsetter all wrapped into one that gave up a ton to get Julius Irving. And yet three years later, he's playing his home games in Philadelphia. If you look now back, uh, Rick, at, at this, was there an inroads? Was there a way that they could have kept Julius Irving as a net? And whether it's the Kobe Bryant drama that we mentioned as far as, you know, oh, he's an 18-year-old kid and there's not a great track record of of young guys that have come from high school to the NBA that aren't at the power forward or center position. You know, the same could be said of the opposite. I think that think what happened with George Mikan and when he was basically ousted as the ABA commissioner after mishandling Lou Alcindor, I think you saw a situation where the Nets were embroiled in this very messy legal dispute with the Atlanta Hawks, with the Virginia Squires, that all these teams basically trying to say that they had the rights to Julius Irving. And then at the end, it seemed as though the ABA, they, they lost out on Lou Alcindor to the NBA, and they would just refuse to let Dr. J get out of the league. And I think that was one of the best things that could have happened for the league because the Nets were a top media market being in New York. And I think the hope was for Julius Irving to be the poster child of the league, which he was at the time and you know was synonymous with ABA greatness, but also that he could help revive the league. And I think he did as you mentioned in those three seasons as much as he could and unfortunately the you know because of a slew of bad business decisions i mean the aba didn't even mark it didn't even trademark that red white and blue ball mm-hmm. if you could imagine which was their signature they they made a, a bunch of bad business decisions and ultimately didn't have the television contracts and the media exposure that the nba did so they ultimately had to merge but i think that at the end of the day you know having Dr. J on that ABA championship team, the second of in his three years that he was there, not 74 and 76, which should have been a, a championship celebration and possibly rolling into a, an NBA, uh, you know, pursuit of an NBA championship. All of a sudden, was the the team was in such bad financial straits they had to sell off all their big contracts, including Dr. J, and they offered him to the Knicks. The Knicks turned down that deal, and he ultimately lands in Philadelphia. So it was just. For Nets fans that I had the opportunity to speak to that lived through that at the time, it was really like Mets fans that lived through, you know, trading Tom Seaver. It was just a devastating point for the franchise. Author Rick Lachlan joins us on The Fan. I think my favorite part of the entire book, A History of the Nets from Teaneck to Brooklyn, was the pages where you chronicled the, the, the death and the impact of uh, Drazen Petrovic. I mean, it actually brought tears to my eyes. It's such, and you know, again, it's you. You talk about Drazen Petrovic in, in certain areas of this country, and certainly in Europe. And I mean, it's still there's not a dry eye in the house. I mean, what he did to change the game at that time. I mean, we've seen such an influx of European players since that point, and he was really the. You talk about Julius serving as the poster child in the ABA. Well, what Drazen Petrovic was able to do. I mean, playing. You imagine in the '90s NBA, the physicality and to be able to be not only a top shooter, but be an all-around player, I mean, was just absolutely tremendous. And Kenny Anderson talks about just that tireless work ethic and, you know, being the first one in the gym, the last one out, and setting the tone. Having, you know, a player like that, losing him in free agency or a trade is bad enough, but having a, a tragic event like had happened uh, in the June of that year is just something that the Nets really never recovered from. And that, that core that included Petrovic, Derek Coleman, and Kenny Anderson – 
really never we never as fans got to see and they never got to realize their full potential uh, because obviously Drazen Petrovic left left far too soon. Rick Lachlan, owner and curator of NetsInsider.com, is with us live here on The Fan. Um, we've got about three minutes, so I want to try to get three more in here, Rick. Um, you categorized each period of, of time in Nets history. You titled the corresponding chapters based on what was going on at the time. If you could tack on another chapter for the Nets as they are right now, what would you call it? Uh, I would call it, I, you know what I would call it? Call the bluff, because that yes. that's exactly what I felt like Joe Sy and Sean Marks and Steve Nash did with Kevin Durant. And even Kyrie Irving to a degree. I mean, this, this got so dysfunctional. Talk about trying to having to rewrite history. I mean, you know, things could have went sideways very quickly. And I think the Nets, look, they stayed the course. They had a very, they knew what they were getting involved with when they basically signed, you know, Kevin Durant and signed Kyrie Irving back in the summer of 2019 that they were a package deal. And any attempt not to show an undying commitment to Kyrie Irving was going to burn a bridge with Kevin Durant. There were other factors, of course, as far as hirings and firings they made. And, you know, you see reports that, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were not fully on board with the Steve Nash hiring. And I will say, you know, I think Sean Marks has done a fantastic job. I think ultimately the hiring a coach like Steve Nash with limited experience to manage these supersized egos may have been one of the weaker moves that he's made as general manager because it certainly hasn't panned out so far. But you look at everything that this Nets franchise has done for both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, bending over backwards for any personnel moves. Kevin Durant, of course, not playing that first year in 2019 with the Achilles tendon injury sitting out that entire season. The Nets staying patient with him, staying patient with Kyrie Irving going AWOL, missing large chunks of games bringing in James Harden, dealing with that mess. So it just seems like the Nets were bending and bending and bending and finally now trying to wrangle back control from these two uh, superstar players with even bigger egos. It just got as ugly as we saw this summer. But, again, you hope when the dust settles that, you know, when the Twitter game ends and, and all of a sudden the real games start, that when the team starts winning, everything can be forgotten. But like I said, they were going down a very ugly path and a path to divorce and the fact that they called Kevin Durant bluff and they didn't uh, blink when he wanted them to blink just shows that, you know, they ultimately, at the end of the day, have tried to keep this team together and see what they can do for at least one last one last run with Kyrie Irving under contract for this year. I've got next author Rick Lachlan on the line here on the fan. I've got about 10 seconds here. I'm going to do two here. Real quickly, you wrote that Vince Carter rightfully cemented his palace, or his place, I'm sorry, on the Mount Rushmore of Nets legends. Who are the other three, real quick? Uh, as far as the legends, I would say it would be Kevin Durant at this point and and uh, Julius Irving. Uh, you know, uh, Jason Kidd, I should say. Jason Kidd and Julius Irving. Kevin Durant is there. If he remains with the Nets and can get them to or to win an NBA Finals, he would be my honorable mention, Kevin Durant. All right, Rick, I got to tell you my last thing. I am disappointed in one thing about your book. You ready? Sure. You missed an integral part of Nets history. How can you mention Chris Humphreys and not Kim Kardashian? Oh. Well, you know what? I would have to write a whole another book, and maybe that could be History of the Nets Part 2, the, the off-the-court antics, because believe me, there are a lot of them. Uh, so I'd have my hands full with that. Whether you're first-time, long-time, or all the time, call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices.
Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan, and how great was that little chronicle of Nets history? I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, as a New Jersey Nets you know, root for, you know, I, I, they were right down the street. They were easy to go to. They were easy to go to the games. Jason Kidd, Kenyon Martin. My dad ran into Kenyon Martin in the Cloister. I guess it was an A&P at the time. Me and my brother were like, we're not going food shopping with you. And he came back, and he was like, guess what I told him? I wish my kids wish they were here now. So they were just so rooted in Bergen County, as, as you heard. And when I went to Rampo College freshman year, they had an open practice. The Nets had an open practice um, right there, and, and we went. And, and so, you know, you think of Nets and Bergen County as, as history. I mean, freshman year of college, it was, what, 2007? And they were still holding open practices in the Rampo College gym that we went to. And it was fun. So, um, yeah, that, that was a fun one. So that was my, my August selection for the book club. Um, and the title of the book, again, it's by Rick Lachlan, L-A-U-G-A, like Laughland, but pronounced Lachlan. And it's uh, the history of the Nets from Teaneck to Brooklyn. And uh, it was a good read. It was, it was intense. It was, I read every word. In these books, I read every single word. And it was, um, it was dense. It was intense. Uh, but it was good. And it's a really good snapshot uh, from, from day one to pretty much present day, present day Nets through the James Harden drama and all that. So if you're a Net fan, highly recommend it. Pick it up. Um, but yeah, how's that story about Kenyon Martin at, at food shopping? <laughs> we were like, what? No way. No way. And uh, he was like, yep. And then uh, it was before cell phones and stuff. And, Jay, and uh, Kenyon Martin was like, oh, I guess your kids wish they would have come. And my dad was like, uh, yeah, I can't wait to tell them. So um, there's that. Kenyon Martin, Closter, A&P. All right, back to the phones, 877-337-6666. Bob and Bayside, thanks for hanging in there, Bob. What's up? What's on your mind? Yeah, I originally wanted to talk about the, the protection behind uh, Judge, but I, I have to interject. Uh, uh, this guy, Jimmy from Jersey City, shouldn't have called you a moron, but I have to say he's 100% right and you're 100% wrong. My head almost exploded when you said that Montas has now been slotted into the number two hole. Uh, every every Yankee fan in this city and every analyst will tell you. Have, I mean, Danielle, have, seen, have you seen the way Herman's been pitching for the last month? It's been better, sure. All been right, so, better. sorry. So you have sorry. So we, you have Cole, no, Herman, and Montas. Okay. I have Herman. He gave up two runs in Seti Field against the Mets the other day in Oakland. He pitched a nine inning shutout, giving up one one hit. Mm. Uh, the guy is pitching out of sight, and you're labeling Montas as number two. I mean, Talion is ahead of Montas. And by the way, when Severino and Cortez come back, Montas is number six. Anyway. So, 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 then, so then why would they make a deal for him to begin with then? Then why not just stay status quo with what I you got? To, I told you last week why. They said that he was not going to be used in the playoffs. Yeah, He's but the they, number but five player Bob, starter. They said that after they made the trade. That's like saving face, isn't it? Okay. Listen, that's, that's what, what they, I think. I don't know when they said it, but it's debatable whether he should have been ahead of Tyone as four or he should have been five. But you have to admit, Cole, a healthy Severino, and yeah, but that's Cortez a, that's were ahead of Mont- Montgomery. But that's a huge ask, number one, for Severino to be a healthy Severino. No one knows. It's a, that's a wild card. I mean, the guy can't healthy stay healthy, number one. Half. Anyway. And, and, and Cortez, I mean, he's at... Uh, uh, Innings, max innings limits that it's like alarm bells are going off with how, how many innings he's thrown. Who knows what he's going to be? Let me make my point about the backup behind. Uh, uh, but wait a second, Bob. Uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't like the Montgomery trade or you do like it? 
No, I, I was. I always liked Montgomery. And okay. I, didn't, I don't have the stats that Jimmy had, but uh, basically, according to Jimmy, his whole career has been about a 500 pitcher. Well, that's yeah. according to Jimmy, and now he goes to St. Louis. They make a single adjustment, I have to assume, and he's pitching like a the freaking next Cy Young. Danielle, do you know how many times pitchers have gone from the American League to the National League, or vice versa? And for that, for the hitters don't know them, and they do very well for the first month. It happens all the time. That, well, then so, you know what, Bob? Let's talk in a month and see what happens because I don't believe right. this is the case. Let me make my point about the backup behind the. The whole first half it was Stanton. Now, the only thing that's encouraging me about Stanton is that he is making contact. He's not striking out. He's not flailing. He's, a lot of balls he's hit, if you've noticed, are right on the screws at people. He's not striking out. So that tells me that the doubles and home runs are soon going to be coming. Yeah, I agree with that. And I said, too, I think it was yesterday, whatever day I was here, um, one of the two days that I was here, that you know he, he's not – it's not showing in the in the um, in the uh, in the batting average or anything like that. But again, he had an extended period of time of off. He's not practicing with ninety five mile an hour fastballs being thrown at him. So it takes a little acclimation period to get back on page. And, right. and you're right. He's 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 going to get going sooner rather than Danielle. Yes. If you'll permit me, a sixty second comment about Italy and the Yankees. Okay. Your story about that little Italian town in Sicily about Joe DiMaggio mm-hmm. with the museum. Very great story. Thank you. I have, a, I have a story, too. 10, 12 years ago, I'm on the Isle of Capri, mm-hmm. and I'm in the, sex, the part of the island near the, uh, the, the big rocks, the Faraglioni. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the woods. There's a wooded area, and there's a little uh, like cabin and cafe. They're blasting uh, with loudspeakers, Italian opera. People would go there for sandwiches and espresso and beer. And all of a sudden, there's a, a group of Italian tourists. Not, not Italian, Japanese tourists. Mm-hmm. This, is in, this is on the Isle of Capri, in the woods. And I see a, a Japanese girl, and she's got a Yankee cap on. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, is there any way in the world, for, for over 4,000 miles away, yeah. that I would have ever seen a Met cap or, or a St. Louis Cardinals cap or a Houston Astros? Uh, I have one word in Italian. Tutto il mondo, yeah. all over the world, the yeah. Yankee brand. That's right. It is. And you can explain to your uh, listeners what tutto il mondo means. Yes, tutto il mondo. Tutto all il mondo world. Tutto il mondo. Yeah. The brand, the, the name, the brand is, is the most famous in the world. Yes. I'll, I'll never see a Metcap in the woods in Italy. That's, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> well, Bob, thanks for the call. All Although right, we bye. do disagree on the pitching, but that's okay. okay. Bye bye. It's allowed. It's, when it's done respectfully, Bob, it's allowed. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and uh, we did have a caller, I guess it was last night or like yesterday morning, I'm losing track here of, of the days, they're all blending together, but uh, we did have a caller said that he was in Positano and he did see a couple Mets caps. I was just in Positano too, and in Italy, I didn't see any Mets caps, but there's that. Uh, Val in the Bronx, you're up next here on The Fan. Good morning, Daniel, how are you? I'm good, how are you, Val? I'm all right, I'm feeling good because um, before I get into my points, um, and this happens a lot when I call you guys. I get put on hold, and I hear something that touches my heart in a way that makes me almost forget what it is that I called to say. Oh, that's okay. That interview that you, that interview that you had on? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, what? What? Tell me. Beyond, beyond Dr. J, there was so much that he dropped about Nets history that I had no idea about. Wow. And I'm actually going to go go look and pick up that book, because I didn't know that they went through all the drama I always thought that they started in New York as an ABA team yeah. before they, you know, all of that stuff happened. So 
it would, and even all the little things about um, Coleman and, and Drazen and, yeah. you know, some of the stuff that he gave us about the, the, the current situation, I'm really going to go pick up that book because I'm very interested to read it now. Awesome. It seems like there's so much about the Nets that I do not know. See? Oh, look, um, look at you. Learn something new. That's the, the goal of the show. Learn something new. Anytime you tune in, I want yeah, you to learn look. something. Great interview. And, and before you. I get into my point, the next thing, that update. Yes. Yeah, I am scared because if that R.J. Barrett contract <laughs> is in an effort to be able to move him easier to Utah, that bothers me. Is if it, it's it, story an that, effort to do what? I'm sorry. If if it, if they're trying to lock him up as far as his rights, so that because there's talk that Ainge wants Barrett, yes, as part of that Mitchell deal, yes, and if that whole thing with like trying to lock him up as far as by contract is to make him easier to move mm. as part of that deal, yeah. I, I might have a little bit of issue with that, but that's I would another too. story. And I feel like the, the Players Association might, too. Yeah, that's another story altogether. But yeah. as far as what I call for, yeah. the previous caller just now stole a little bit of my thunder because on both points that I wanted to make, he kind of touched on them. First point being, Montas, if, if, if the future holds that at some point Yankees management say the quiet stuff out loud, and I get to find out that Montage was really a pivot move and a kind of propaganda thing mm-hmm. to chase us off of the fact that they didn't go after Castillo. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the line, that argument you find out has something to do with his dreads and the fact that he couldn't fit into the whole Yankee clean haircut, you know, shaven face, mm. shaven haven kind of nonsense. I don't know about That's that really because he said he would be heart. willing to cut his dreads. He did say that on the record. So then all the more reason why, if this was a pivot move off of Castillo to get us Montas, yeah. as much as I'm a Cashman defender, you broke my heart with that one. Because yep. from the minute he came here, and I was hearing other uh, talkers on the fan talking about his home and away splits, what his ERA is once he got outside of Oakland and all this stuff like that. If Cashman didn't have that information, I got to hear somebody on the fan telling me that or a caller calling in to say that, then I got big issues. Because so far, from what I've seen of Montas, the boy sucks. How do you we, – we, I mean, so you get the home run and you take the lead. You come in the very next frame and give it up? Yeah. Yep. I mean, come on. Like, what is that? And this is not the every, – the, he, every single start, they were talking about him hopefully getting his first win. Yeah. He's been there, like, how long now? He, he pitched his first I mean, game in a Yankee uniform on August 7th, and he has not gotten a win yet. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the, all I'm hearing about, and as much as, you know, I appreciate how Boone does not throw anybody under the bus, mm-hmm. you know, I got to hear, oh, he's got good stuff, he's missing spots. Yo, you could have the best stuff in the world. If you can't hit your spots, you're not doing anything for me, bro. You could throw it 125 miles an hour. If it's not going where it's <laughs> supposed to be, you're not doing anything for me. Yeah, see, a roll this Chapman, right? You know what I'm saying? And my yeah. second point, and then I'm going to leave you alone, and I'll sit back and listen because I love what you're doing on your show. Thank you. Yeah, I do disagree with you a little bit. And he actually made that point also because I was sitting there and I was like, as soon as he started to say it, I was like, oh, my man, don't do that to me. <laughs> because I definitely agree with him. Uh, you know, I am happy for Monty because I actually think that when he was here, he really didn't serve us any purpose because for some reason, I don't know what it was, but as a team, they could, and this goes back before, you know, as far as we've had Monty, they could never seem to score for this guy. And mm-hmm. it was almost like a heartbreak story. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the previous caller did make a point that I was definitely hoping that I would be the one to make the point. All right, tell us, tell us, when what is somebody, it? 
they jump from leagues like that, especially in the middle of the season. St. Louis might have tweaked something. I'm sure they did because everybody's got a pitching coach that knows something that the other pitching coach doesn't know. Right. But the minute you jump leagues like that as a pitcher, not necessarily as a hitter, but as a pitcher, you're, you're, you're seeing people that, you know, at this point, most of them don't have tape on you. None of them have seen you before. Mm-hmm. You know, the few that have, like, have, like, maybe four or five at-bats at you. He's getting the benefit of, of, of that transition right now. And like you said, we'll wait and see. And maybe we'll have this conversation a month, a month and a half from now to see what his numbers really look like. So, Val, well, let me let me ask you, let me just let me just spin right that now. point back on you here, Val. So if that's the excuse you're using for Jordan Montgomery, then why is uh, Frankie Montas pitching to a, a seven ERA since coming to the Yankees? Is it, it, I mean, I'm going to solve that for you right now because nothing. Because he from came from an AL team. Equals nothing. If you if you don't have it to begin with, you don't have it to begin with. It ain't got nothing with, to do with what they saw or didn't see. Mm-hmm. The guy is going up there, and I, I mean, I don't know if his shoulder's still bothering him, if he hasn't really healed from that, and if that is the case, there's all the more reason why we shouldn't have made that trade because we can't afford to lose a pitcher right. and get somebody who is compromised health-wise right. and you throw him out there and expect him to do it. I don't know what yes. it is going to but from what I see, and I never say that about an athlete, but from what I see of this guy, the guy sucks. Exactly. You you cannot yes. you cannot do what you're doing to me. We took the lead. We need these games. Yes. And in the very next frame, if you're a stud, the minute somebody takes it should have been a one, two, three inning, yo, let my boys back, get back out there and let's set a tone and you let know. people know that we're trying it's to the, win this game. And that's not what happening, Val. And what you said there at the end is what I what resonated with me. And the point I'm trying to get across is that from you starting pitching is an area of need for the Yankees. Okay? And to 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 trade a starting pitcher to bring in a guy who is subpar. I mean, and and I never say that about athletes. You know that. I mean, I know they are professional athletes. They are doing the best that they can, but this guy is subpar. I mean, even the attitude that he is conveying on the field in the dugout, Kevin pointed out he was laughing. I mean, I I watched the two episodes of him on the on the mound. I mean, you talk about Cole not having a mental makeup. At least he can pitch the freaking ball. The first pitcher to, to get to 200 strikeouts across the entire league. This Frankie Montas, I, I, I'm having shades of, of, of Sonny Gray 2.0 here, everybody. Shades of Sonny Gray 2.0. Douglas in the Bronx, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. I would love to join this Yankee conversation. But first, there is some important info on your show after my call with you last night. And that is, You've never watched Seinfeld. Wow, <laughs> I was shocked to, to learn about yeah, that. Yes, <laughs> I've, I've seen a, about every episode a hundred times alongside my other favorite comedies, Friends and Three's Company. I don't know if you've seen those shows either. Friends I have, yeah. Friends, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm sure you grew up with it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, I work for a media website, as you know, and a tip for my colleague, if you love a show, try not to meet any of the people that star on that show, um, he had an unfortunate meeting with Jerry Seinfeld. And um, so if that's one tip for you. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. In the world. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I'm sure Steve Summers had a similar experience, too. Although maybe they made up before he left. I but, think they okay. did. I think so. they actually did. I'm not positive, but I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. But So on to the Yankees. So there was a caller last hour. He made mention that Aaron Boone is the worst Yankee manager, but either he forgot or wasn't, or he wasn't around for the Yankees of the late 80s and early 90s. The era before Buckshow Walter, mm-hmm. uh, it was Stump Merrill, 
Bucky Dent and the late Dallas Green, and Met fans would agree with Green, uh, not exactly stellar managers with the Yankees, I must state. But um, as for Boone himself, and we talked about it last night, not an in-game manager per se, but I do feel like the clubhouse, the club, they do play for him, but I think the big disconnect from uh, us fans towards him is I feel like he's a company man, mm-hmm. and that also alludes to our thoughts about Hal Steinbrenner, and we talked about how he got booed on uh, Paul O'Neill Day, mm-hmm. and it's like they have all these resources. Even Amazon is a minority stakeholder with the Yankees, yet it's like they're chintzing out, or they do things halfway, like in poker terms. He's just calling his hand. He's not raising the stakes, like, or he's not even going all in. Right. So I think that's, that's a little... Uh, it, it's not uh, our approach to our, this particular year because they have the team to do it, but they're not going all in anyways. So that's my take on him. Yeah, and, and going to, all in would be Luis Castillo. That, that would be going right. all in, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he was the guy to get. Imagine, they would get, they would get uh, Castillo with Montgomery on the staff. Yeah. Would that be phenomenal? Yep. Yes. Yes, please. Now, on to this Montez character. The, his first game, which is in St. Louis, I was watching Yes Network, and there was a report that said, a big reason they brought him in was they consider him to have the mental makeup for New York. No now, way. I was in my room. I was in the room by myself, so I wasn't talking to anyone. But I yelled at the TV. Well, that remains to be seen, right? I mean, really? And he got he coughed up six runs against St. Louis that same day. But uh, I had concerns, as you did. I know you wanted Quintana. I wanted Rodon at, as like the backup mm-hmm. at the trade deadline. But here is my hugest concerns with Montas. He had shoulder issues uh, already. Um, the last effective season he had was in 2019, but that concluded because he was tossed from a PED suspension. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I know it may be stereotypical to say, but like Sonny Gray, uh, that coming from Oakland, which is sort of laid back, it's not as uh, pressure-filled as this area. It's it's a pressure cooker. New York is a pressure cooker. Yeah. And as we've seen with Sonny Gray when he left the Yankees, when he went to the Reds, he was at a three or below ERA. Yeah, so much better. Much, like, much improved. Right. Yes. Montas, I just, it, this is a psychological thing. I don't think he's uh, overcome the arrival to New York. And that's, and, and oh, and the, the other negative, I think the Astros were hitting almost 300 opposite him when he was with the A's. So, Really? He was their top option at the trade deadline? Yeah, you can't, there's, there's no way. Douglas, thanks for the call and thanks for bringing the numbers there. Uh, yeah, no, there's, there's just no way. At this point, I, I mean, I, he, if you're a fan of the show, you know that I didn't want Frankie Montas here in New York. At that point, if it wasn't going to be Castillo, you just stand pat and do what you had. But but the, the you know, all the people were complaining and complaining and complaining. I feel like maybe the Yankees had to appease the people and they bring in this guy. And they just showed the, uh, on the replay here in the studio the the ball that landed in the triangle between Judge and and right between the Judge and the infield right and 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 the, the disgust and the disdain on Frankie Montas's face was it's just you don't do that you know you just don't do that you're showing up the, the players we you know we understand that you're upset about that right I think what is it the next batter Shohei Otani just hit the two two run home run just now so it's like. The mental makeup is just clearly not there. You throw four splitters in a row 
to Shohei Otani, I could probably time up four splitters in a row and hit the fourth one out. I mean, that's a mental mistake. I told you before, I could deal with the physical. I cannot deal with the mental. Yankees baseball is on the fan. Swing on, there it goes. Deep right, it is high. It is far. It is gone. The home of the New York Yankees is WFAN. It couldn't have come at a better time. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. McCartan after midnight here on the fan in New York City. I'm your hostess, Danielle McCartan. It's until 6 a.m. It's been a lively one tonight, hasn't it? <laughs> We've, uh, we'll continue with the theme of uh, of the Yankees pitching and, and needs to, to really, really make a dent in the postseason and, and, and win, win the World Series. Because, right, that's what the expectation is every year. In Yankees universe. Uh, before, before we do that, I did see a tweet from Ian Begley um, regarding R.J. Barrett. He said, bonuses for R.J. Barrett's rookie extension are tied to all-star selections, selections to the three all-NBA teams, and NBA all-defensive teams. Uh, he, Ian Begley tweeted, sources confirm Barrett's extension is for four years and worth up to $100 million, $120 million, including those bonuses. So, I love contracts that are laden with bonuses like that, including all defensive teams, because, you know, my stance on the NBA, I wish there was more defense in the NBA. So that's good. Good for him. Imagine Mitchell and Barrett on the same team here in New York. Playoffs, definitely, right? Maybe that's a topic for another day. Let's get back to pitching. So all of the calls here are about Yankees pitching. So in the order that you called, Marty in Westchester, you're up next here on The Fan. Yes, good morning, Danielle. How are you? Um, Good, good. Yeah, something that Joe Torrey said when he was a manager of the Yankees always resonated with me. He always said, you never have enough pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes back to spring training where you might have seven or eight starters. They always said, well, invariably, you know, pitchers are going to get hurt during the regular season. Now, when the Yankees made this trade with St. Louis, um, I didn't like it from the get-go. This isn't a second guess, yep. of course. Nope. Uh, you have pitches on the rotation that were on a uh, innings limit count, namely Severino, Cortez, Tyone. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, for the Yankees to trade Montgomery, as one of the earlier callers said, he was a victim a lot of times of uh, a lack of run support. Mm-hmm. I thought he was pitching well for this team. Yep. So, um, and also given the fact that they traded for a center fielder, was going to be on a disabled list till the middle of September at the earliest. Right. So, then, so then, is this the, right indicating right. a team that in, in, in an Aaron Judge potential walk year, like he might not be a Yankee next year? Is that in, indicative of a team who's trying to win it all? Like it's not. Actually, I would, no, Marty. I was in isn't. Italy. I was in Italy. I'll never forget. I was in Italy, and I read that I got the notification in, in the airport. Actually, when I when we got to Rome, that the Yankees dealt Jordan Montgomery. I, I was like, this has got to be like fake news. Or like, like what? What are they doing? They need pitching, and they're dealing a pitcher who you could tell has the guts to play in New York. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was fake news. Right, and also, uh, you know, they talk about Matt Blake as their pitching coach. He has a he's had, he has a good reputation. You mean to say he couldn't find if there was an adjustment to be made, he couldn't work with Montgomery to to uh, 
to uh, even make him a better pitcher. This doesn't yeah. make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It, it, you know what? It, it, there's something more to this story. Because th- did you remember the last press conference he did? He kind of snapped at one of the reporters. There's, there was something had to have been going on behind the scenes. Had to have been. Right. And, and Cashman's saying that they would not have used him in the playoffs if he had remained a Yankee. Yeah. I find that hard to believe. After he got traded. Okay, yeah, that's saving face in my opinion. Right. Well, you know, the Yankees have to hope that Cortez comes back uh, healthy and Severino, whenever he comes off the disabled list, mm-hmm. that he's okay because they're going to need both of those pitches come October. That's right. That's right. It, you, you need to, Martin, thanks for the call there. You, you need to have a rotation. Uh, 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 like, you look at the Mets. You know who the clear-cut number one starter is. I guess the Yankees do too, Garrett Cole, although your your level of trust in Garrett Cole may, may falter, right? Uh, you look at the Mets, their number two starter. You know it's Max Scherzer. So in a short series, you know you're throwing DeGrom and then Scherzer. The Yankees, you're throwing Cole and then and who got lit up by the Red Sox last year, don't forget, in that one game. Uh, and then is it Sever- it's Severino, right? That, that's the answer, right? Severino's the answer, but, but what is he going to look like when he comes back off that injured list? No one knows. So, Herman, as someone indicated before, is it Montas? That was your big trade deadline acquisition, right, for your pitching starting pitching rotation. So, so you know what I mean? Like, there's a still like for how many years now? The number two starter we talked about on my show. The number two starter. There is no clear cut number two starter for this Yankee team. It should be Severino, but he's hurt. You know, so uh, uh, that's that's still uh, still a lingering question for this Yankee team. Gene in Linden, New Jersey. You're up next on the fan. Hey, good good morning. I love your show. Thank you. Thank for, you for uh, having me on. Oh, of course. Thanks for calling. Um, I appreciate it. This this guy Montos. I don't know. I think I think something's wrong. I mean, I I don't know. I think maybe we should call Sonny Gray and ask him to return because <laughs> this guy's this guy's just not cutting it. It's nope. just like he's pitching for the other team sometimes, right? You know. And uh, I don't. I just. I just wish if we could get rid of them. We got a lot of young arms down on the farm, don't we? Oh, you're stuck with them. There's no. There's no wiggle room here, Gene. You're stuck with them. Wow. Well, thank you for the call. And, and uh, oh, so um, so do you think uh, uh, Donna Mitchell's not coming here then? Since we we signed Barrett, you think? Wow. You know what? I, I don't. I don't ever want to say no, because. They say that uh, neither uh, what is it? Neither Utah or New York is ruling out restarting the talks before the start of training camp in late September. This is after the news of R.J. Barrett signing this mega deal. So I don't know. I wouldn't want to say no because n- neither team is ruling it out. So can you imagine that Barrett no, and I Mitchell? Can't. No, I, I just, <laughs> it's, it's just it's, it's making me sad anyway. You have a wonderful evening, and, and thank you once again. I enjoy your show. Gene, thanks for the call there. Yeah, and that, that's 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 what they said. And they said that they the Jazz are not seriously engaged elsewhere on a Mitchell deal right now. So, you know he wants to be here in New York. Does he pull a, I'm not playing here, I'm sitting out until I get traded? I don't know, because they are in a full rebuild out there in Utah. They're committed to it. And you, you you know, it's you're not like they're they're holding on to Mitchell to rebuild for the future. It's he's going to. 
Knicks are willing trade partners, so uh, let's see if they can get a deal done. I would not be surprised if they get a deal done to keep both of them. We'll see. Uh, Pat in Woodbridge, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hey, D. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Pat? Ah, hanging in. Uh, immediately, like you, as soon as I read that Montgomery got, got traded, I immediately thought it was directly to something personal, whether it was with Cashman or whether it was with somebody in the mm-hmm. clubhouse or what have you. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this guy's been a gamer since he won the, the national championship at Vanderbilt. I mean, the kid's been a young lefty that's been hungry since he walked in the first day in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. He's always wanted the ball. He's never showed up a teammate. He's always, you know, battled through starts like earlier callers said. They're getting one or two runs a game for the kid. Never complained. Just kept out there and just kept it moving. Yeah, and but it Pat, like only, only complained. Right, and he only complained, if you notice, when they took him out. And, and post-games, he was saying, you know, I, I had more in the tank. I could have pitched another inning. That's when he complained. He, Like you said, he's a gamer. He, the, the kid's a gamer. You're right. And that's why I think the big thing was, you never could see what the kid actually was. Mm-hmm. And for Cashman, it just throw his hands up and, and get rid of him at a time where everybody scratched their heads. I mean, you have to question not only that, but why are you taking him out so soon? Why aren't you giving him a chance to go deeper into games? Yeah. I think, like you said, D, I think, it has a, I think you brought up a really, really good point. I think this goes a lot deeper in the rabbit hole than it seems. Yes. I think there's a lot more than what just meets the eye with Montgomery. Yep. Sooner or later, like, you know, it will come out. Mm-hmm. It's just, I feel bad for a kid that wanted to be here, and now we're stuck with somebody that, by the looks of it, has no business being here. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, Pat, and, and, and right. I, I, again, I'm watching it on, on TV here, and it's just, I'm watching it twice, and it's like worse the second time. You know that? I mean, he's pitching like home run derby out there. And, and and another thing you mentioned too about Montgomery, he doesn't ever show up his teammates. I, I feel I feel that that Frankie Montas, when that ball dropped, looked at Judge like, "Come on, man!" And the disgust and the disdain on his look, I mean, on his face, it's just you don't you don't do that. You just don't not here. You don't do that here. Yeah, that's a that's a quick ticket out of here. But unfortunately, the Yankees are saddled with him, stuck with him. Joe in South Jersey. You're up next on the fan. Yeah, good morning, Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. A lot of talk about the pitching today, but quite honestly, I wanted to talk a little bit about hitting. And I think you could probably use the Little League pitchers from the Hawaii team to pitch when the Yankees are going to score one or two runs every game, right? Yeah. And the thing that I think we get lost on, and I, it should be common sense to Major League hitters, but if it's not, it should be reminded to by the coach examples in just today's game. LeMayu gets up with the runner on second base and is not trying to put the ball to the right side of the infield and move the runner over. Next inning, home run, and we're down, right? When we had a chance to go ahead. Well, DJ LeMayu bunted a run in earlier in the game tonight. Bunt the Bunting in, shame on him. The guy should be a, is a 300 career hitter. Yeah, but but he's and not though. He, he was eight for 36 coming into that at bat. You know, there's sometimes you just gotta do something to create a little momentum. I have no problem with the bunt. I actually like the bunt in that situation. It tied the game at one one. Yeah, and that's fine. But then the next time when you get up and you have a runner on second, 
you got to get that runner over at least until you get two strikes. Sure, I'm and with you on no that. No attempt to do that. So then later in the game, when we're down two runs, and we're swinging first pitch, we're swinging yeah. second pitch, yes. the pitches that were balls. Yeah. Whatever happened to late in the game, mm-hmm. we need base runners. Take a strike. Yep. And we don't do that. We never do that. And then we're behind in the count. And lo and behold, boom, we get a, a solo home run from Judge. But then we got guys swinging at, I mean, uh, Trevino swung at three balls yeah. that were out of the zone. And so it doesn't matter if the pitchers hold the team to two runs or give up five runs. If you can't score three That's right. as a major league baseball team, you're, there's a lot more wrong with this team than just the pitching. And until we change our mentality on trying to move runners over and be more disciplined at the plate, we're going to have a really tough rest of the season. I That's know. just my opinion. Yeah, Joe, and how many times have we been talking about the same thing? The approach at the plate needs to change for years. On my show, we've been talking about that for it, years. And it hasn't ever listen, changed. The, everything I talked about today is stuff that's been going on 100 years in the game. It's just that part doesn't change. Analytics should not change the fact that you have to be disciplined at the plate. Yep. And and I was listening on the radio on the way in. And you were clearly watching it. What happened with Glaber Torres? He, he didn't put his foot on the base? He didn't tag the base on a double play? Is that what happened? No. No, he thought it was 1984, and he just needed to be in the neighborhood. And that's just, again, that's just somebody that's just not 100% bought into this game. Also in the game today, he hit a ball, ground ball, and I specifically watched to see if he was humping down the line. Mm-hmm. And no, he was not. And you know what? Anything could happen, right? The ball could be thrown away. That's right. It could yeah, be anything. bounced. Right. Booted, hit a and rock, take it, a bounce. You don't know. Any of that. And we, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I've been, I used to watch Thurman Munson and Bobby Mercer and go down that path. Mm-hmm. You don't see that anymore. And again, if we're just going to keep waiting for the home run, then we're going to be watching most of the playoffs this year. And like we did last year, and like we'll do next year, got to be some changes. And I think that maybe comes from the guy that wears number 17 in the dugout. Yeah, or, or even higher than that, Joe, and thanks for the call. Even higher than that, the guys that, you know, kind of uh, put the roster together or the guy that puts this roster together. Um. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a he- Yankee heavy night, uh, of course, because it's most recent. You know, the, the Mets didn't play um, on Tuesday at all. I'm, I'm getting my days mixed up. The Mets didn't play on Monday at all, um, and the Yankees lost to the to the Angels out there in in Anaheim and uh, in a game that was you know supposed to be Judge versus Otani MVP versus MVP candidate and. Uh, Judge is pulling his weight. We'll put it that way for that Yankee team. Aaron Judge is pulling his weight, and um, and behind him, he had LeMahieu with the one bunt that did score the one run to tie the game at one. Other than that, you know, you got uh, LeMahieu, you got Stanton, you got Torres 0 for 11. Benintendi hitting right behind Judge. They have no fear of Benintendi. That's why they intentionally walked Aaron Judge twice. 
because Benintendi was one for four. I mean, where is the protection in this lineup? The legends of Yankees baseball. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Hit number 3,000. Derek Jeter has achieved another milestone in his Hall of Fame career. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Midnight here on the fan in New York City. We're just getting cooking here, everybody, right? <laughs> With you for another two hours and change up through 6 a.m. We've got Jerry and Sal in for Boomer and Geo. And so uh, it's been a lively discussion tonight about Yankees pitching. And is this is this team, is this roster cut out for a, a deep run into the postseason? Is this manager cut out? for a deep run into the postseason and potentially capturing a World Series championship. that That's kind of been the, the focus of the conversation because, you know, on this West Coast trip, I'd have to say uh, it's been quite disappointing. I mean, splitting a series with, if not the worst, it is definitely the second worst team in the league. Oakland A's, I mean, against the pitcher in that last game who was just called up from AAA. I mean, it's just, it was, that trip to Oakland was a disaster in my opinion, even though they split it. You wouldn't even know that they had a two, you know, four games, they had a 2-2 split. You would think that they got they got swept out there in Oakland by how they played. Now, you're starting out, you, you move cities, you're in Anaheim now, right down the street from Disney World, Disneyland, I guess, and right in, in California, it's Disneyland, and it's it's not the happiest place on earth for the Yankees right now. Frankie Montas is doing his best impression of a, of a, a batting practice home run derby pitcher. How do you throw Shohei Otani four splitters in a row and expect him not to catch up to any of them? I mean, that is a, a, a fatal flaw, mental mistake. Brutal. I mean, Frankie Montas has been brutal since he got here in New York. I, it, it's been a month. It's been a month. You know what? I, you, you would hope that the guy can improve. But right now, I'm getting shades of Sunny Gray 2.0. To the phones we go at 877-337-6666. It's been great on the phones. Let's keep it going. Oh, I, I, you know what? I did want to read one one tweet here that I did get on the break uh, from, uh, I don't know pronounce it. Maybe it's French. Shems, I guess. But this person asked, did you mention Montgomery got lit up in his last start? Five earned runs in five innings. The NL hasn't seen much of him yet. Let's give it time. As for Montas, he is struggling. Sometimes the catchers and pitchers have to mesh. Fine. And I said, yes, I did. It was versus Atlanta, and his ERA is still lower than that of Montas and Castillo since the trade deadline. Just facts. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I did that wrong. <sighs> higher. ERA is still higher. Higher. Ah, oh, my bad. So, yes. No, that's right. Wait, I'm getting confused. Did you mention Montgomery got lit up in his last start? Oh, yes, I did. Versus Atlanta and his ERA is, yes, his ERA is lower than Montas and Castillo since trade. Yeah, I was right the first time. All right. I'm getting mixed up. Uh, um, yes, so fact, let me restate that. The ERA of Jordan Montgomery since the trade deadline is lower than that of Frankie Montas and Luis Castillo since the trade deadline. Period. Stop. Okay, 877-337-6666. Sauce, you're doing a great job behind the glass tonight. Doing a great job. Let's go to Ben in Queens. Ben, you're up. 
more in there, Coach. Um, first, quickly on on something with the Knicks here. If they do this with Barrett just to trade him off, I'll be sorely mad. <laughs> just that's it. That that's I, all I'm playing. Yeah. The reason why is is Ainge makes and you could ask for anything in a trade. Go ahead. That's cool. I'm not cowtown to that. Uh, find find somebody else to take him off your hands. Who do you mean? What do you mean? Take who off your hands? It, Mitchell. In other words, for Mitchell. It, it, you think the, the Knicks would give up too much? I think uh, Ainge ain't budging. Age wants at least six of our number ones. Yeah, but the thing is this. I mean, he's entering a complete rebuild, teardown with that team. You know, the 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 um the advantage, I guess, I can't think of the word, but the advantage is with the Knicks. Yeah, that's why I said we don't have to act. That's right. He could, right. He could ask for whatever he wants. Right. Like that. Don't feel pressured into making the move. Yes. If you're making this Barrett move to help lock up the future, fine. But don't make this move just to trade him off. Yeah. Agreed. And you know, that, yeah, that, agreed. That, that's back fear one. Um, about the Yanks, we could go a couple different ways here. But firstly, hey, you know what? Yanks are professional hitters. We said this the other night about Oakland. You guys are professional hitters. Get that run home. Yep. <laughs> Get that run. Simple but, though, Ben, they are facing a professional pitcher, too. Just saying. That, that is true. That is true, but you know what? The it, it, the the excuses get kind of lame after a while. After three weeks of mm-hmm. of offensive uh, futility, yes. And I could say another word there, but we, we're live on the air. Hi, <laughs> FCC. Yeah, yeah. Although one of your callers did bring up a point, and a lot of old time Yankee fans will get mad at this, but I don't care if Luis Castillo isn't a Yankee because. He doesn't fit the Yankee way, and you wanted him to cut his hair or do all sorts of stuff, then why the heck is a Roldish Chapman still on this team with a tattoo? Well, the tattoos weren't stipulated by the Steinbrenners. I don't believe in you know George Steinbrenner. I, I don't think. I realize that, but, but hey, uh, the amount of good players that can play that haven't been Yankees because of that dumb rule. But we don't yeah. know that, Ben. We don't know that. And Castillo, I mean, on the record, did say he would cut his hair to be a Yankee. He said it. I think that the Yankees just swung and missed on it, and they tried to save face. That's what I think. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying right now, there's something called the crown law effect coming up, you know. So, so Yankee fans who stand by that rule, good luck. Good luck with that rule in the future. I'm just going to say it like that way. What is and that? Finally, I never heard the, of that. Wait, Ben, what is that? The crown rule? The the crown rule is a law that's going to be that you cannot deny employment to a person because of their hair. Hmm. So if they have braids, if their hair is long, mm-hmm. you know. Purple. You exactly. You cannot just deny employment because of that. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. So, I could see that being a future stumbling block for the Yankees because, mm-hmm. let's face it, a lot of the better players now are coming from the the uh, Latin American stuff, and they love their hair. <laughs> all right. Well, that's not <laughs> – okay. I get it. Sure. All okay. Right. Next. <laughs> so, and what I, I said we were going to talk about briefly, folks, ESPN did a great article 
about Sauce Gardner for the Jets. And mm-hmm. I found it quite interesting, and I posed to Coach this, how much confidence is too much confidence? Yeah. Tell him what the article yeah. said. What, what adjectives did he use again? <laughs> he, he said essentially that, that he sees a little of Landry in uh, the Rams in him. And I read that like, wait, 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 wait. Shouldn't that be the other way along? I play a little bit like Landry. This kid is Deion Sanders type. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at the necklace and the whole thing and, and the, uh, the ice. And yes, Deion Sanders. Yeah. I kind of like that comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Salah's made him the number one. I'm like, okay, okay, kid, that's fine. But the thing in the article that, that, tempered my trepidation that I expressed to you before is, you know what? He's putting in the work in the the film room. Yeah. He's studying up. So that makes me think he's got a bit of Revis in there, too. Yeah, so, you know, Ben, and that's something that I, when he was coming out of the draft, I questioned it, too. I questioned the attitude. I questioned the swagger, if you will. If you can't, That would be a gigantic bust in this market if you can't back it up. So I, I think he is backing it up, honestly, from everybody yeah. I talk to. Hey, it's going to be an interesting watch during the year because I could easily see, again, old-time Jeff fans going, what is this kid doing here That if he gets burned right away? Right. But if right. he locks people up like Revis, you know, that would be interesting to watch. Coach, yeah, once we'll again, see. thank you for the time. And again, I hope I gave you a few nuggets to think about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I didn't know about that that crown rule coming. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up. Yeah. yeah, like I said, future. Yeah, Ben. Thanks for the call, and no uh, thank you. And uh, that the uh, I don't know if you guys saw uh, with um, Buffalo Wild Wings. I think it is Sauce Gardner has a sauce partnership, limited time. Uh, it's called the Sauce Sauce. <laughs> Can't make it up, and uh, it's at limited time with Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm gonna try it. I think I'm gonna try it. I'm interested. I think I'm interested. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and oh, by the way, in the article that Ben was just referencing, the, the headline is, New York Jets Sauce Gardner calls himself a different rookie, plans to dominate. Well, I hope he's right. <laughs> I hope he's right. You interested? Yeah, you know, I was th- I read that, and I was thinking about, like, so the sauce sauce, I'm like, you know, God, I don't really like the name of that. No. It's not, I get it, it's like, his name is Sauce Sauce, but just like, you got to figure out something with that. It's like, I, I don't know. I really, I'm not a fan of the actual name of the sauce, but I kind of do. You, don't you like it when you have um, your star rookies, especially like I love it when the wide receiver and the cornerbacks, especially like they 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 think of themselves as stars. Yeah, and they start talking and they start and they make it known to everybody, make it clear to them. Like that. Look, as a Seahawks fan, I grew up with this with Richard Sherman. Yep. as my cornerback, and that was awesome. And when you, this is the hope that the Jets have with this with Sauce Gardner is that this guy is very high, thinks very highly of himself, mm-hmm. and if he can back his talk up with his ability on the field, we have ourselves a star here potentially for like the next few years. You would hope that that, that is the optimism with the Jets, and and you know what? I just googled it to see what the sauce is. Uh, it's a it's a smoky, sweet, and spicy barbecued sauce. He said he's a huge barbecue guy. And he likes some spice. So I guess he helped create it, I guess. And here's this. If you look at this. Sauce Gardner will hold a signed with sauce event on September 1st at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Wayne, New Jersey at the Willowbrook Mall. Hey, look at that. 
So from the press release, it says fans who show their Blazing Rewards membership will be admitted between 7.30 and 9.30 p.m. on a first-come, first-served basis for a chance to meet Sauce Gardner and get his autograph in Sauce. Get his autograph in Sauce? As well as other one-of-a-kind collectibles. So there you go. September 1st, I think I, you just have some plans. 7.30 to 9.30, uh, but you have to be, a, like, it looks like a Blazing Rewards membership uh, holder. So there you go. Sign with sauce. September 1st, Buffalo Wild Wings, Wayne, New Jersey. Let me look at my calendar. Um, mm, I might have to add that to my own little calendar. That is not far from, from where I live. So I might be there. Hey, if I go, I'll let you know. But oh, and one more thing before we uh, hit an update here. And of course, we'll continue with your calls. Please hang in there. Uh, I love how this just took naturally took a turn into football because that's kind of where I wanted to go. Uh, with this, so so hang tight, everybody. And of course, we can keep the baseball calls and stuff. But I did want to say that after careful consideration, I have chosen a name for my survivor pool. We had some great suggestions from the from the listeners. I knew I can count on you. Uh, last night, uh, we had, I think it was a tweet that came in. There were three finalists. In essence, there were three finalists. And I was looking for a name that was punny, that was New York football related. Although, honorable mention to two aside squad. I like that. But that's Dolphins. Anyway, so three finalists were Brees Lightning after Brees Hall. The other one was, uh, Sus, what was it? Was the other? One? Oh, it was Honey Nut Berrios. And then the final caller brought Sunday Sauce. And. That's the one that I ended up going with. Sunday sauce. I love how it tied in with the Italian sort of Sunday thing. Sauce Gardner plays on Sundays, Jets, the whole thing. That's what I went with. Sunday sauce. And then an unintended consequence. I had people arguing in the comments, in the mentions, about if it's sauce or gravy. Your teams, your station. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. On the fan in New York City. I think we've transitioned to the morning, or is it still McCartan after midnight? Whatever it is. I am Daniel McCartan with you till 6 a.m. Two more hours here. Uh, it's been a fun night. It's been a fun night, and, and I maybe just my calendar just uh, got something added to it. It's like I don't have enough time to, 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 to live and breathe. Oh my God, but you know what? I'll live when I'm alive. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Bon Jovi. That's my, that's my motto. Um, so the t- you know what else? Speaking of schedules and stuff, the time is finally almost here. My dad and I were supposed to go on a little road trip during my school spring break, April of 2020, and we made plans to rent a car. We were going to drive to Pittsburgh, see a Pirates game, and then go on to Cleveland to see, a- I think they were the Indians at that time. So we were going to see an Indians game then. Then we were all told to stay home for two weeks to flatten the curve. And I remember I called up the, the hotel reservation desk in Pittsburgh and I talked to the receptionist and I said, hey, you know, we're going to have to reschedule it for um, I can't do it in two weeks. So we'll have to come back this summer. We're very sad. We can't make it. Well, two summers later, here we are. It's uh, it's even better this time because the Pirates, when we go, 
are going to be playing the Mets when we're there. So that's going to be cool. And we're still doing Cleveland, too. And I was even able to talk my dad into going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, too. So you should see the jersey I've already packed. Literally, it's already folded and in the suitcase. And my dad's going to say, why are you bringing a suitcase? We're going for two days. I get it. I, that's how I travel. I overpack for everything. But uh, I, I can't wait to wear that jersey and unveil it over there in Canton. It's a, This is a major sports trip, and I can't wait. So, again, I appeal to you, my very knowledgeable, intelligent audience. Um, your suggestions are welcome for 24 hours in Cleveland and 24 hours in Pittsburgh. We will have a car. You could tweet me, too, if you don't want to call up or maybe you're under the covers listening, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. But my suitcase is already ready. It's already in the spare bedroom. I've been throwing some stuff into it already. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. And, of course, uh, if you want to follow along with the journey, I'll post it on social media, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. So if you've been to Pittsburgh, if you've been to Cleveland, please, I will take any and all suggestions and thank you. Okay, in the order that you called, that's how we operate here. Okay, I used to be a caller to the fan. I used to hate waiting on hold forever. So I like to I like to not let you guys wait for, you know, I do my best. You know what I mean? Okay, in the order that you called, Eric in Ronkonkoma. You're up next here on the fan, Eric. Go ahead. Hey, Danielle, good morning. You know, I, I, I love a good barbecue sauce, but, I mean, you know, that, that just sounds lazy to me, just saying sauce, sauce, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, but, well... Uh, well, I'll just be more impressed if he plays well for the team. That's all I really care about. Yes. You know, I'll indulge in the sauce sauce some other time. <laughs> but, uh, look, the, uh, as far as the Yankees are concerned, now, I, I, I said this out last week after, after the Mets lost both games to the Yankees. It felt like that it took away. I was so disappointed, not because they lost to the Yankees, but I, I, it felt like the Mets really didn't play well either in those games. Mm-hmm. And, and it felt like it took away from that huge comeback game against the Phillies from that Sunday mm-hmm. that they had. So I'm wondering, I mean, you have to really kind of say that, uh, you know, they, they just came off of a five-game winning streak. You know, it's got to feel very deflating uh, these last three games uh, against the, the West Coast teams, mm-hmm. uh, given how they, you know, everyone seemed to think that they were back. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know it's still a few a few games left on the trip. But uh, it's got to be disappointing, uh, you know, just just given how it started so far. Yeah, well, I mean, um, the, the Met, the Mets. You're talking Mets, right? No, no, the, no, the Yankees. The, okay, no, okay. I'm okay. talking about the Yankees. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to say be deflating. Right. Yeah, with, with the uh, you know the three games now right. you know, lo- uh, lost. And splitting with Oakland, they're one of the worst teams in the league. You've already dropped the first of what is it three against the Angels, who are not much better. Completely deflating. Yes, for this Yankees team, I mean. You know, this lineup has been quite quiet, you know, except for tonight, two home runs. But, I mean, it's just been brutal. Really, it's just been brutal. Yeah. Now, as far as the uh, the whole pitching thing, look, I, I've always been a big, uh, you know, believer <clears throat> Excuse me, in, in known quantity. And Montgomery was a known quantity yeah. on the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying as far as, you know, them saying – that oh they they weren't planning on using him in the postseason. I mean, I which I think is ridiculous because he had been pitching pretty well this year, mm-hmm. quite honestly, uh, up to that point. And despite and the no run support, him. right? 
Right, and, and look, I mean, uh, you know, us Mets fans are very familiar with no run support. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so is so, Jacob Degrom. <laughs> exactly right. So <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so we we know we know how it works. I mean, eventually it does turn around, but you know, they can't have said that they didn't know what the numbers were for this guy Montas coming out of you know coming over from Oakland that he had a much higher ERA outside of Oakland. I mean, so you know, well, what's your argument then? Not you, me, you know, really, you know, the Yankees. What, what's your argument towards bringing someone like that in as opposed to someone who had been pitching well for your team right. and, and been, been a staple for the last handful of years? Yeah. I mean, it, and, and the very fact that it was it was literally a last-minute deal, too, uh, sending him to St. Louis. Nobody saw that one coming. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's it just the whole thing seems kind of strange, and you got to uh, – yeah. You really got to wonder what was going on, and, you know. And as far as the, the, that tweet you got, as far you know, with uh, Montgomery getting lit up against the Braves, yeah, the Braves are one of the best teams in, in baseball right sure. now, and defending World Champs. I mean, so mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to pitch to a point zero whatever ERA for the rest of the season. It's just not going to happen. But the but ERA lose, it, it's still lower than that of Montas by far, yeah. and Castillo. Right, right. and you know. Um, you know, you're going to have hiccups every now and then, and, you know, and that would be a team you'd think you'd have a hiccup against. Yes. So, yep. uh, you know, and, and then the last thing, real, uh, real quick on this, yeah, look, the, I, I think everyone's trying to use the hair excuse as, as to try to make themselves feel better as to why Castillo's not here. But, you know, it's also been showing them, you know, I mean, look, Randy Johnson had long hair, you know, before he came over to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, he, he cut that. I mean, there's plenty Johnny of Johnny Damon? Damon. I mean, Johnny Damon you know, looked like a he, caveman. He, went on, he, he was on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy cutting his hair. Yeah. You know, <laughs> was to, he? to get it ready. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, it, any, anyone, you know, virtually anyone will do it. The, the big reason why a lot of people don't come is, you know, they might not feel comfortable playing in New York. And you can't, well, you know, if someone knows themselves well enough to, to say that, then you can't argue with that fact. I mean, uh, maybe he just felt more comfortable. You know, again, I'm not even sure if it was up to him. Yeah, Eric, uh, two things. You know, One, again, he said he would cut his hair. He did say that right. on the record. And two, when you said that about you knowing yourself that you don't maybe want to come to a market like New York to pitch for the Yankees, you know who came to my mind? Zach Greinke. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, he wanted so, no part of the Yankees, or even, I guess, the Mets at the time, but it was the Yankees. He wanted no part of pitching for the Yankees, and he said it. Period, and that was that was firm. So there you go. Hey, you know what? He would have never survived here, and he knew himself enough to, to, to come out and say that. So, which is great. I mean, I mean, uh, the from what I understand, I could be wrong, but I mean, I believe JT Riomodo said the same thing. Uh, you know, before uh, before last season, uh, you know, we, we everyone wanted him to come over, and, and he kept saying he wouldn't didn't want to come to New York. I mean, that could be the reason. Yeah, I Philly's I, a Vaguely remember too, that. Yep. You know. yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't, I mean, what are you going to do? That's completely up to the player, and, uh, you know, that's it's, it's what's going to happen. Not everybody's cut out to be here. I mean, the uh, DeGrom, you know, the a lot of people believe he doesn't like it in New York, not specifically uh, the Mets, but maybe he just doesn't like being in this environment. You, what are you going to do? So, yeah. but anyway, you have a great uh, rest of the day, Danielle. I'll talk to you. And thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Always a good call there. Um, yeah, I mean it's just it's something else, and I guess we don't we don't 
we'll never know it, right? Because we're not professional athletes and and we're not outside of our own market, you know. But you talk to players and they say like, oh, well, who was I talking to? Uh, Shane Spencer. And he was saying, yeah, well, when I was playing, I forget where he said he was, but a smaller market team. And he was like, there were like three reporters after a game. And whereas in New York, you got like 30 and it's like an hour after the game, you're talking to the reporters, wherever he was, I forget. At the time, he said it was like, okay, uh, well, I'm going to go home now. And that was it. So it's it's just a different animal, and, and we will never experience it. Um, but players talk about it, especially ones that, that come from smaller markets to this big market, whether it be the Yankees or the Mets. I've been in both clubhouses. There's just about the same amount of media in both, honestly. And the last time I was at, the, at City Field, I walked in, to the Mets clubhouse, and it was it was a Subway series. And Max Scherzer was getting his stuff together, and he was kind of trying to get out the door. And he backed up into, into the door like the, you know, like the push thing, but he turned around, and he backed up into it, and he was, like, surveying the room. And he looked at me, and he said, lots of questions today. <laughs> Meaning, like, oh, my God, this is a little nuts here today. But Max Scherzer, obviously professional veteran, can handle it. But, you know, for a young player, that, that could be daunting. It could be. Anyway, 877-337-6666. E. Frank in Astoria. You're up on the fan. Yeah. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to give a little insight on uh, what I believe will, will happen for the Jets in the next four games when they start the season. Okay. You know, the precursor was uh, the exhibition uh, preseason, and I think that they've proven themselves that they are ready, willing, and able to assume the responsibility of uh, playing harder, better, and more productive this new season. Because mm-hmm. if you see the injury of Zach uh, Wilson, wasn't going to really throw them off. They were able to uh, fend uh, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and the Giants. Mm-hmm. So if they, you know, the Jets have three preseason uh, games under their belt. We assume that they have a strategy for the next for the entire season, and I think that with the things I've heard on the fan about uh, the uh, new uh, draft picks uh, being ready, the uh, new changes for the defensive line for mm-hmm. the offense, uh, they have a, a qualified veteran uh, quarterback like Joe Flacco who can come in at any given time and. Uh, and as an emergency and back up the Jets uh, real quickly, I think, you know, maybe they are ready. Uh, what do you think, Daniel? E. Frank, two things. As I watched the Jets and Giants, and I know the Giants didn't have, like, their starter starters on the offensive line. I get it, right? But there was one play where, I mean, you it was Tyrod Taylor at the time. He had no chance. He had no He took, like, a two-step drop, and it was, was swallowed by not one, not two. It was, like, all six of them that bring in the house. I mean, it was it was refreshing to see. It brought me back to the days of Wilkerson, Richardson, and uh, and and, the, and that line and, and that defensive line. It was it, it could be special. I mean, it was Lawson and Jermaine Johnson on the line for the first time this preseason, and it was something special. I I have to say, most definitely. And I wish the Jets very well this year because I've been waiting almost forty plus seasons to see them do at least something. Get into the uh, 
Super Bowl for the first time since uh, I was born back in 1970. Well, I mean, Super Bowl and Jets in the same sentence might have to wait probably two more years before we really start talking about that, I think. Um, but, listen, E. Frank, the Jets, the Jets are building. They're building the right way. They're doing it the right way. Um, I don't think you can use the word Super Bowl and Jets in the same sentence just yet. Um, but it, there's another guy that I have been impressed with, and I think a lot of people have been impressed with, Michael Clemens. And I had a feeling he was going to be good, and, and I could show you the, the receipts here, but I DM'd his agent, wanted to get him on the show, and she ghosted me, like, twice. So I believed in Michael Clemens from the beginning. I have time, date stamps, I have receipts. I'm Italian. I have receipts for everything. Uh, but... uh. He's going to be special. I mean, look at him. The guy looks imposing. Just look at him. If he was running after me, I would just, I would just, someone, one of the reporters tweeted that. If you saw Michael Clemens running after you, what would you do? I would just fall to the ground and and, and give myself up because this guy, I mean, Tyrod Taylor experienced it. He knocked, it was a clean hit and it was a clean hit and he knocked Tyrod Taylor right out of that game. It's supposedly he's going to be fine. He jogged off under his own, under his own, you know, whatever, cognizance, whatever that word is. But, um, but a clean hit knocks a quarterback out of a game. That's a scary dude. And I'm glad he's on the Jets and not, you know, the Patriots or the Dolphins or the Cowboys. You know what I'm saying? So there you go. So I, on the, uh, the Jets are on the up. They're doing it the right way. Paul in Floral Park. How are you, Paul? Good, good. How about yourself, uh, Danielle? Doing good, Paul. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, did I uh, did I send you group uh, the group pictures uh, that we uh, we had taken when we went to the uh, bank game? Oh, uh, you know what? My friend, uh, I didn't get a chance to look at them yet. I will though. Okay. Yeah, I'll double check. Uh, I'll ask him later. Yeah. So we um yeah we had a great time uh, at the bank game. To, to that type. That was what, uh, August 4th? Oh, August 4th. <laughs> Those okay. guys are crazy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Jets, uh, they looked good yesterday. That was a great, uh, great game yesterday. Yeah, the boys are ready. So <laughs> we're ready to go for the new season. Yep. Good to good standard football hits. That's the way the game of football is supposed to be played. What we saw in yesterday's game. Yeah, and you're yeah. talking the Jets. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The Jets, the, the Jets look surprisingly good. I mean, surprisingly good. And, right. And Sauce Gardner has not even been really put to the test. Like people are, they're, they're, just, they're just avoiding his side of the field, which is like shades right. of Darrell Revis. And right. I don't know. I, I never like to buy into the hype train onto on, you know a lot of guys. I like to like cautiously optimistic. But right. I'm I'm actually excited to see what Sauce Gardner can do. I, I didn't. I wasn't buying it right out of college. Right. Right. Yeah, I would love to see him uh, too. Yeah. Um, uh, t- um, Wilson, uh, um, Zach Wilson, he's got a bulk up. He looks like he still needs to get in the uh, the weight room. I don't know. Lift weights you know what? I don't know because the knee injury, and I'm not a doctor, but I'm wondering if any of right. the extra added weight kind of, it, it was non-contact, yeah. you know? I'm, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. Yeah. I don't know. That's right. Yeah. It seemed like the, uh, the same thing that happened to uh, OBJ in the Super Bowl. It was like a ghost injury, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, they, uh, the turf. Uh, but uh, glad to see Carl, Carl Larson. Look, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got to stay healthy. The offensive line's got to stay healthy. 
I still say they're going to win. Uh, they're going to win eight games. Yeah, they should be okay. The Jets. They'll be much better. Eight yeah. games. Yeah. Giants. Let me take a look at that schedule. Jets. Yeah. Yeah. And the Giants uh, got a lot of work to do, but they uh, they should win five games. Um. Uh. To, the kid. Um. That went to Georgia. Did he make the uh the uh, the roster with the Colts? Uh. Uh. Wriggle over a blanket chip. The former kicker with Georgia. Oh, I I don't know. Right. Yeah. I well, know. I have to wait and see. I'll, I'll look it up on on the internet. Yeah. I mean, he was a decent kicker, but I uh, I saw him miss a lot of chip shot chip shot uh, field goals back about uh, through three uh, three or four years ago, 2018 when uh, Jake Fromm was still at uh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, uh, Georgia an SEC uh, title title game shot down in Jacksonville against the Gators. Yeah. But he wears the Rex specs. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think he'll 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 make it. But Jake Prime is done. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of that, course. That, that experiment oh, is yeah, over. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That poor kid. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, yeah, Yankees. Um, uh, Frankie Montos. Uh, he looks. Uh, he looks a, a mere tra- tragedy. I mean, I, 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 I don't know if, if it's his pitch command or, 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 you know, his Mental. proper location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Velocity. I mean, it's still awful, awful. It's and, not good. <laughs> yeah, Andrew Benatendi. He's he's uh, Jekyll and Hyde, and yep. yeah. And, I, but, I, you know what it is, Paul? And, and thanks for the call there, Paul. Um, it, it's also, and I'm not sticking up for any of the players, but. When you're the Mets and you show up to the ballpark and you know you're you're Brandon Nimmo and you're hitting first, you're Starling Marte, you're hitting second, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it's 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 a comfort thing. It, it's it's a confidence thing. Yankees, they're jerking around the order up and down, this and that. It's uh it's a little much. And as far as the Jets, real quick before I hit the break here, um, I see one, two, three, four, five, six, six, maybe seven wins for the Jets this year. They'll they'll steal one maybe from I don't know, but. Um, seven wins. I think you're really happy if you're a Jet fan. Seven wins. Um, and speaking of, I love this natural transition to football because Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson, get your GM hat on here, get your coaching hat on. If Zach Wilson is ready to go in Week One, still yet to be determined, he should play. But the team is going to run into a little bit of a conundrum. If Flacco, who looked great against the Giants, mostly second-string defense, but if Flacco gets a start in Week 1, beats the, his former team, the Ravens, which the Jets are not supposed to beat, and then what? Who gets a start in Week 2 if they're both able to quarterback the Jets? The Bronx Bombers. It is hot. It is far. It is gone. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Yankees win. The Fan on 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. You are tuned in to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan in New York City. It is 4.30 in the morning. Wake it up. Or are you uh, a night owl? Or are you an early bird getting the worm? Some of my friends uh, texted me around 5 o'clock yesterday. They were like, hey, we're on our way to the gym. Tuned in. Great. Good for you. 
So I always, I'm always curious what, what you're doing, what, whatever time you're tuned in. So what are you doing? Are you going, going to the airport, coming home from the airport? That's usually like this time of day. I don't know. I just, you know what, 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 whatever it is that you're doing, I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate the tweets that are coming in, the phone calls that are coming in as well. Um, and uh, it's been a Yankee-heavy night, I think, just because the Mets haven't played uh, or didn't play yesterday on Monday. The Mets did not play, so therefore... It's not a lot of Mets calls coming in, but which is fine. I mean, whatever. This is a sports show that encompasses all of New York sports. This is not any one team. You know what I'm saying? This is this is whatever you want to talk about, as long as it's related to New York sports, give me a call. 877-337-6666. Um, I just introduced Jets, so we'll do that for a sec. Uh, I see a Yankee call on hold. That's fine. Hang there. We'll get to you. I'll get to you. No problem. Um, as you know, Jets, Giants, preseason. Um How do I say this? Uh, I think the Jets are going to have a little bit of a problem on their hands. If I don't think Zach Wilson's the week one starter. Um, I think the timeline to, for him to come back from the meniscus injury, it's kind of, for week one at least, it's, it's iffy at best, I would say. And then I think long term, it would obviously be in the Jets' best interest to be 100% sure that, that he is 100%. No need to rush him back for week one. With that said... Flacco's the week one starter. Now, what if, what if he, Flacco, and the Jets look really good? What if they beat the Ravens in week one? Then you got Zach Wilson ready to come back. Who starts at quarterback in week two? You just won a game of Flacco. Wilson's your future. Do you stick with the present or do you go with the future? In this scenario, for me, it's simple. You forget Flacco, I'm sorry, but you have to start Zach Wilson. You have to. A, he's supposed to be the future of this team. B, a guy like him in his second year, not a rookie anymore, he's going to get no better with his fanny nailed to the bench. He's got to play. And, and and Flacco, I mean, he, he he's pulled along a lot of the young players as best he could this, this last Preseason game, probably week one at practice, practicing with the ones. But it's time for the offense to work with and, more importantly, grow with the quarterback of the future, Zach Wilson. I mean, if if this means that the Jets are going to catch some L's in the meantime, they're going to lose some games, if they're going to go with Wilson over Flacco, then you know what? So be it. Nobody is expecting the Jets to make the playoffs this season. Nobody. Their coaching staff is not on the hot seat. Their GM is not on the hot seat. And this is just too easy. If Zach Wilson's ready, he starts. Simple. Case closed. Now tell me what you think at 877-337-6666. We're going to go with Frank and East Islip. You're up on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. Great show. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I'm a commuter. I commute in the morning. I always got the fan on. Listening to Sal, listening to JJ when he was on, you mm-hmm. know, catching me through the morning on the commute. Cool, I love it. I love hearing. I love. Where are you commuting to and from? East Islip uh, to New York. In, yeah, no, East Islip to Jersey. Actually, oh. I'm about an hour, hour and twenty minute commute. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, I'm glad uh, you had me on. I'm glad I can keep you company. Yeah. Um, I Flacco Sunday against the two starters. I mean, he didn't look that good at all. I think White and Strebler played better, and White played against the same defense as uh, Flacco did. Terrible yeah. interception. Um, 
Mike White, White. Looked like he was more. Yeah, Mike White. Like he was in better command in the in the offense. Also, ten for thirteen, one hundred and forty-two yards and two touchdowns. Mike White. Yep, uh, and I agree. If, if Wilson, I don't believe he'll be ready either week one, but by some miracle, he's cleared and ready to go. I think you got to play in week one. Blacko's not the answer. Right. I mean, I would even think. White played last year. He played good. I think maybe even White right now looked better than Flacco. You know, they would never do it, but right. White, you know, White could carry the team for a game or two until Wilson is healthy. Yeah, I mean, he could. He could. I, I think. Uh, I, but though, I, I, I believe in like this. I don't know. Uh, extra motivation factor. I think Flacco is going to be out there. He's going to want to beat the Ravens. You know what I mean? I, I believe in that. Um, but, but, it, it, and how about that? If the Jets start Mike White, he gets a win. Then you, you have a, you have a bigger controversy now. So then what do you do? Even last year they had it. They were dealing with it. Yeah, I agree with that too. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad, it's a good and a bad situation to be in, I guess. You know, you, the first, first is team first. So whatever gives them the best chance to win week one, then that's what they do. You get this. 53 other players they need to worry about. They, you know, they, they're all there to win games and so on and so forth. Best player plays, in my opinion. Yes, but, yes. Um, you're right, though. That that would start a huge controversy if White did play well. But, you know, then he's auditioning, you know, for other teams. And you could use him in a trade or, you know, anything like that. But you're going to stick. All three quarterbacks are going to be on that roster, yeah. depending on what will even Strebler, depending on what Wilson, you know, what they do with Wilson come, you know, week one. If he's not available, then they'll keep those three the three quarterbacks on the roster for week one. Yeah, I, well, Strebler, they they waived him. He he is uh, he's gone. Oh, they did. Okay, yeah, he, okay. eight, eight hours ago. Yet. Yeah, he was. I, I thought I read that. I just wanted to be sure, but yeah, they they did cut him. Yeah, uh, but I, I agree with you. I mean, I see good things. No one expects anything from them. Uh, I'm a 50-year-old Jet fan. I've been waiting for a long time. Everything feels different this year from the GM to the coach to the draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just I, – I expect them to play meaningful games in December. I, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs either, but I want to sit down in December and watch a game knowing that, man, if they win this game, you know, they're still in the hunt for a, for a wild card spot. That's what I'm looking forward to this year. Yeah, and, and that's and that's it. You know, it's 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 just the next step in the growth pattern here. I got to tell you, Frank, the Jets draft. I think the Jets had of all the the teams in the league. I think the Jets had the best draft. I really do. Yeah, they had a great draft, and you saw it on Sunday too. What a difference a tight end makes. I mean, oh, Tomlinson made a couple of catches. Yep. just that safety net. Yeah, they got two of them. They yep. got two of them, and one one coming in the wings from Long Island, Rucker. Yep. You know, yep. he was drafted by the Jets. He's a Long Island product. Yep, it's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be good too. And Frank, thanks for the call there. The Jets have not had a reliable tight end. I can't. Was it Anthony Beck? Was he was he the last reliable tight end for the New York Jets? I mean. How important, I definitely, I don't even think they had one for Sam Darnold. I, what, my point being, and Frank just alluded to it too, you have a young quarterback, the tight end is a nice safety net, a, a dump off. You know what I'm saying? The Jets are too, too have been too reliant on the dump off being the running back. No, to have a nice, a good tight end, and, and to have one in Odama who, who just won a Super Bowl ring, right, with, with the Bengals, correct? So to have that experience, no. Didn't he? I thought. Oh, wait a second. I thought I heard on the broadcast. Maybe, maybe my ears were clogged. Didn't he just win? 
Because it because they were saying that that he well, they, the part of the broadcast they were saying that he all the players were coming up to him, coming up to him, coming up to him, and asking for help, and that he wasn't settled in yet, and then he welcomed the help. I, I guess I must have missed one word. Then yeah, you're right. You're right. Maybe it's just asking about the experience of playing. Yeah, like the actual experience of just like getting to the Super Bowl, which is like, look, you never really expect, and that's the thing about the Bengals is that no one really expected them to be get to the Super Bowl. But like when you get there to the mountain that one time, it's like it's a full on experience. And when you go to a different team that hasn't won in a while, of course, everyone's going to gravitate right. towards you. Every once in a while, say, "Hey, right. hey, CJ, how was uh, how what was it like in the playoffs? Were you nervous? Were yeah. you tense?" How was it like on the field? Like it must have been frigid cold over there in like Tennessee. Oh, with the and the whole thing though, with a young quarterback, right? And that's kind of what the Jets are, are building here too. Like Joe Burrow. You're hoping that Zach Wilson. That, that's the biggest like yeah. best case scenario is that he turns into the next Joe Burrow. But like I just feel like you can't really compare the two because Joe was just otherworldly prospect coming out of college. And yeah, he also had a terrible knee injury to a much worse knee injury compared to Zach Wilson's, right? So that happened. And then afterwards, he bounces back, gets his favorite wide receiver in Jamar Chase on his team. And then they just light the entire league (laughs) on fire. And I'm, and you know what? To give the Jets credit, they did. I'm pretty sure they got a win off of the Bengals at least once. Was that the Mike White game? It was the Mike White game. Oh, the legendary Mike White game. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Love it. So, so yeah. So that, that's what it was. That was the story. I got the story screwed up there, but the fact of the matter is that, that Udama was able to, to, to guide and help and be that safety net for a young quarterback in Joe Burrow. Uh, the Jets going out and get him for, for pretty much the, the same exact reason. I mean, it, it's, it's a home run. It's a home run pick. Pick up, I should say, for the New York Jets. So, uh, it's, it seems as though, um, it seems as though it's different. It just feels different. Like I told you in February, this Mets team is different, built different. This Jets team, it's on it's on its way. It really is. And unfortunately, they have a pretty tough schedule this year. I mean, and they reside in a division where, okay, no more Patriots, right? No more Tom Brady, but now now you gotta deal with Josh Allen for the rest of his career. I mean, it's like Come on, you can't even catch a break, man. But I think with Geno Smith, quarterback in the Seahawks, that's a win. I think the the Bears are a win. I think the Lions are a win. A mess of a Jaguars, I think that's a win. Um, that's one, two, three, four right off the bat. And so I, I think the Jets are going to surprise, but uh, seven wins, I think. Jet fans are going to be real content with seven wins. So, I, I know, that's just my opinion there. So we'll talk about continue to talk New York Yankees baseball. We are the New York Yankees radio network. Um, the pitching versus the hitting. Ultimately, what's going to hold them back in the postseason? Uh, to me, I, I'm going to go with hitting. I, I think this team goes cold for no reason. And it's not just one or two players. It's it's the whole team. So if I'm picking what would hold this team back, this team is destined, right, to, to make a deep run. It's destiny. Destined. But what would be the factor that holds him back? Pitching or hitting? We'll take your call. I'm Danielle McCartan. We'll take your calls. Coming up next here on The Fan. Have something to say? We'll answer the phone. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices.
Welcome back to McCartan in the Morning here on The Fan in New York City. I am Danielle McCartan with you till 6 a.m. Uh, we've got Jerry and Sal in for Boomer and Geo. There is no morning show, uh, warm-up show. I am the warm-up show to the morning show. So uh, thank you for tuning in. And you'll, you'll hear uh, from Jerry and Sal beginning at 6 a.m. this morning. And, uh, again, it's been a Yankee-heavy show uh, just by, because the Yankees are coming off a, a, a big L to the uh, Anaheim Angels, the Los Angeles Angels out there in Anaheim. Um, not the West Coast trip you want to see from the Yankees. They, they split two games, you know, a, a, or four-game series, 2-2, two, two, uh, to, the, to the Oakland Athletics who are um, – Really, like really bad. I mean, it, it's it's not what you want to hear or see from this New York Yankees team that's that's you know in control of the AL East for now, seven games ahead. But you get you split a series with with the Oakland A's, who are I'm just double checking. I want to be sure I get this right. Yeah, they are that they have the second worst. Oh, let me guess. Oh no, it has changed. They are the worst team. They have this. They they have the worst winning percentage. And all of baseball, including those two wins against the Yankees, the Oakland Athletics split a series with the Yankees. Then you look just one up in that division in the AOS, and you got the Angels. I mean, they're not too great either, despite having Otani and Trout. And uh, it's not it's not what you're looking for on this West Coast trip for the Yankees. If you're the Yankees right now, I mean. You're theoretically looking at. Let me look at the schedule. I'm a visual person. I got to look at this. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games on the West Coast before you go to Florida. So seven games on the West Coast against two really bad teams. You're expecting to win all of them, right? But but if not all of them, at least five to six of them. I mean, I guess the Yankees could salvage it with, with the, the two more two more wins. It's but that's only four. I mean. That's that's not what you're looking for, and and to, and to blame, it's a combination. It's, it's the bats, it's the pitching, it, it's a combination of both, and that's a scary combination, especially with the bats going so cold, so so it's just out of the blue, boom, like they can't hit the ball. And I'm not talking about this. You know, Aaron Judge had a home run, number fifty. I mean, which is incredible. Rizzo had a home run, but but. That was all that was negated. All that offense, you know, mustering of the offense. DJ LeMay, you had a, had a sacrifice bunt, which a squeeze bunt, which I loved. I loved every second of it. Scored uh, 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 Isaiah Kiner Falefa from from third. It tied the game at one. It was a safety squeeze. I loved everything about it. The guy's struggling. He's trying to get some momentum a little bit, create some momentum. Uh, so I loved it, but. Frankie Montas, I think, is the biggest story coming out of that game. I mean, he, I mean, he was doing his best impression of, of a home run derby pitcher, and it was awful. It was horrible to watch. And not only was it horrible to watch, it was horrible to watch his body language on the mound and in the dugout. Um, you know, the ball falls in, in the triangle between the, the the infielders, infield dirt, and, and the outfielders, and he's disgusted on the mound and he's looking at Aaron Judge disgusted he's fixing his belt on uh, wherever he was touching and he was just disgusted he may have had this look i mean come on man you know like it's it's just not a good look and 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 we had this whole discussion about should they have let or traded Jordan Montgomery i mean you look at Montgomery Montas and Castillo Montgomery has the best ERA of the three of them like by a lot especially over Montas by a lot so you know what? It is what it is, right? So 
877-337-6666. The Yankees, um, the Yankees, uh, they're in a little bit of trouble despite the lead. And and and, and Hal Steinbrenner being booed at, at that Paul O'Neill number retirement uh, ceremony, jersey retirement ceremony, whatever you want to call it. I mean, Yankee fans know. Yankee fans are smart. And they know. They have an idea of what's gonna what, what could potentially happen here. And and Aaron Boone was just re-upped. There's no getting rid of Aaron Boone. He was just re-upped. He just signed a new deal. They could have had an amicable, amicable split at the end of last season, and they just decided not to. So to the phones we go at 877-337-6666. Stuart in Brooklyn, you're up next here on The Fan. You took the words right out of my mouth. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Split. How are you, Danielle? I'm good. How are you? Disgusted, as you can very well see. Yeah. Danielle, what's wrong with them? I mean, you could have had a split from Boone last year. Could have gotten another manager where everybody would have been happy with because nobody, and I mean nobody I speak to likes Aaron Boone. And number two, how Starman, he should have been booed even louder. <laughs> booed even louder because he's not George. No, nobody was George. Nobody right. will ever be George. Right. Danielle, you know one thing. I was saying to everybody that I know, let's get Castillo. What's the deal? They could have gotten Castillo. So you give up a prospect. What are prospects until they reach the major leagues? Well, Nothing. Well, the thing is, though, it, it was going to be it was going to be a hefty, hefty thing. It was going to be it was going to be uh, Volpe and Peraza and Ken Waldachuk and another. And that's what the the Mariners that that's the translation from what the Mariners gave up to what the Yankees would have had to give up. I heard I'm, Dominguez was also they wanted Dominguez. Really. I, I, I heard I Dominguez. Yeah. I didn't hear the. I didn't hear Peraza. I heard Volpe and Dominguez and somebody else. Well, <laughs> what I what I mean is like they got the the number one prospect, the number three, the number five, and then another unranked guy. So when mm-hmm. how that corresponds to what the Yankees system is, it's it's Volpe, it's Peraza, it's at the time Ken Waldachuk, and an unnamed. So mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't do that deal. I would actually want to keep one of the two shortstops. That that's what I would. But you want. could have thrown another prospect in that's yeah. up there. Mm-hmm. You could have done that, and they didn't have to trade Jordan Montgomery for what? I know. I know. Harrison Bader, he's not even playing. Yep. What is the deal? And you know what? Cashman, he gets the money, but he doesn't spend it properly. What what minor league pitchers have they developed in their system yeah. since he's been there? I can think of Severino, and mm. that's about it. And I don't give Cashman credit for 98, 99, or 2000, because that was built by Stick Michael. Yeah. And Bob Watson. And and Buck was there. Okay, I don't give them credit for that. I don't give the Cashman credit for that. No, you you added to what was already there. And that's, oh, that's fine. He's got to go to both of them. We need two new voices in that in the clubhouse and above. And Hal Steinbrenner, uh, I have said this to someone else, and I'm going to say it to you. Sell the team, please. Just <laughs> We just sell the team to someone <laughs> that might care. You promised every. I think you remember this, Danielle. In 2008, the winter when they got out, when they got CC, AJ, and and, and, and Tex, yeah. he promised us that he was going to put a championship-worthy team on the field every year, every year. He said that, and you do remember it because I know you you follow them. Did he? Did he not promise the fans a championship quality team every year? I don't remember. He did. Okay. He did. I'm telling you, he did. And what have, what have they done since uh, 2009? Yeah. Nothing. 
Mm-hmm. And they and they scream about the Astros. Then 2017, uh, wait, uh, wait, here's another one. How about if they would have gotten Justin Verlander in 2017? Who would have yep. won the championship that year? Yeah, I wanted the Justin Verlander then. I, there was a I Doug, wanted him too. Yeah, Douglas called up and he said last night he was going through some of my old tweets and I wanted Justin Verlander. I wanted him too. And this guy, $324 million? For what? Yeah. Well, For what? What's he done? You know who the ace of my stat, the Yankees is right now? Nesta. Yeah, Nesta Cortez. Cortez. Yeah. Yep. We, we, come on. And I want Severino back, and I want Zach Britton back, and Aroldis uh, Chapman, as far as I'm concerned, he's useless. Yep. He, he gets an infection from a tattoo. Yeah. Oh, you can't make this stuff no. up. No, you file this under, you can't make it up. And Stuart, uh, the, the problem is this. Aaron Boone was just re-signed, so he's going nowhere. Um Brian Cashman is on an expiring contract. This is he's in the last year of this deal. So, it, it, you know, maybe in an effort to save his deal, save his contract, maybe he does go all in on, on this upcoming offseason. Maybe he does. But it's all going to be predicated. Brian Cashman's future is correlated and predicated on whether or not Aaron Judge is wearing pinstripes next year, and at what cost. Um, because I am sure. That judge did not like Cashman going public with the deal. Um, I, Derek Jeter said he didn't like it in the documentary. And so if Judge is not a Yankee next year and, and you know, the deal could have been worked out by the Yankees, you know, one of those kind of things, like, oh, man, they could have done that. Cashman's done for. That's a fireable offense. So I hate to break it to you, but the Steinbrenner's are not selling the team. Hate to break it to you. Uh, let's go to Maury in Belmore. You're up next on the fan. We we could use Jeff Bezos as the owner, right? Oh he's man, some, he's yeah. got a few bucks, right, Coach? Uh, a few extra. A I few wish. Shekels in the bank, I would say. But yeah. listen, it's it's become a situation where there's no. It's almost like, and you said this in the past. There's no heart on this team. There doesn't seem to be any consistency with the batting, the lineup. There doesn't seem to be any right or wrong reason. Torres should have been traded, especially if he could have been part of the Soto trade. Torres has been one of the biggest disappointments to me this year. Again, yeah. I don't know why he was the future of the... We held on to him way too long because he had some real value in the beginning of this year. Maury, I My don't know how is- long you've been listening to the show, but I was I was willing to package Glaber Torres in a deal for Luis Castillo, what was it, last summer? Two, I mean, two, last yeah, winter or the, two winters yeah. ago? I- Coach, I remember People that. killed me. That, People yeah. killed me. No, and, and I, I thought it was the best thing to do because you had the kids in the, in, in, in the minor leagues as shortstop. So you're like, look, leave everything as is. Get rid of him. And I think they should have went for Soto. Uh, we, we, we don't need pitching. And, and get rid of Montgomery. Everything that I went to a St. Louis game on Friday against Atlanta. What an unbelievable atmosphere. I was in St. In Louis. In St. Louis. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? The people just love the team. Yeah. The, the atmosphere, no way. I mean, what a beautiful place to watch a baseball it game. Is. I mean, what a great place. My point is, there was no gouging before the game. There was no people pushing. It was such a beautiful thing. But uh, let, let me get back to my disgusting eggs. I can't watch them anymore. I think trading Montgomery wasn't about losing the pitcher. It was about losing somebody that was out there every fifth day that tried his hardest to try to win. He was part of a team. He's been there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think he ruined the mojo of the pitching since then. The, 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 the relievers have gotten bad. I mean, so many things have gotten wrong by his stupid mistakes that did not benefit the team. And I feel like 
we need a motivator. This coach is not doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to do. I just can't watch him anymore. I'm sorry I'm going on and on, but I just got to let it out. Yeah. No, but, you know what? It, it, sometimes I, I come here and I play the role of psychologist. It, it's okay. Yes. I'm losing my mind. It's but, unwatchable. I know, and I know, and, and people are shaking their heads at their radio saying, dude, don't you know, Maury, that the Yankees have a seven-game lead on the Rays? Yeah, yeah, I failed to forget that. <laughs> so, I, I mean. I know. I know. I get it. I get the frustration. I understand. Inhale the positive, exhale the negative, I suppose. What's that? Inhale the positive, yeah. exhale the negative. Yeah, right. And one of those kind of things. And, and you know what? The inconsistencies, you never know, more. They can get hot. They can get hot in a, in a postseason series. You, you don't know that. They could. The bats can go on fire. I mean, I was looking. What year was it? Was it uh, not last year, the year before? I mean, they scored 12 runs in game one against whoever it was. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I think it was Cleveland. So, you know, that's good. Uh, Let's go to Bob in Brooklyn. You're up next here on The Fan. Hey, how are you doing? Good. What's up, Bob? I only got the courage to call this show after listening to it for many years. Oh, and great. I love thing, that. Thank you. So the thing is, uh, when you look at the Yankee dugout, it looks like you're watching an episode of Mayberry RFD. You know, I don't know like what that is. No... Oh, oh, God. The old Andy Griffith show. Oh, <laughs> oh, Mayberry. Oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah, yeah. My dad watches you know. that show. Yeah, and uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because it's got that, you know, it doesn't look like they're worried. It looks like you could just see them uh, skipping rocks. Yeah. You know, they're not into the baseball game. And, uh, you know, a lot of it, I feel, is the lineup inconsistency. Yes. That is, I've been talking about that for months. It is, I don't like it. As a player, you can't get into any sort of rhythm. I just don't like it. It definitely demoralizes the team because when they lose, it takes all the wind out of their sails. Every time they build up, you know, Stanton came back, and after two days, they rest him. It's yeah. disgusting. What's that about? I know. I know. And Ben Intendi finally looks like he's going to ignite on fire in the in the, in the the leadoff spot, and they drop him. Like, what are they doing? They mess up the timing. Timing is part of hitting. Yeah. And they were always messing around with it, and they just, they can't, they just can't get it. But the fans get it. Yeah. Which and is then, which uh, is crazy how how they wouldn't get it are they are they ignoring it uh, what are they doing? I think they're just too much into their laptops and analytics. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and another thing is they just don't know when to pull the pitcher. Yeah, they'll leave a pitcher in there too long, or it's like you could watch the guy having a meltdown right in the midst of exactly. a meltdown. Yeah, yeah. And Boone will just leave him in there. Yeah. Well, then if a pitcher is doing real good... He yanks him. Instead of having the coverage to lead, yeah, they, they just yank him like what they did with, with Cole the other day. And Tanaka in the postseason game, like he was like, well, I'm, I'm doing what? I'm coming out? What? Yeah. You know and, what that is? You know what that's about, Bob? That's about third time through the order. Ma- you know, the mathematical calculations of third time through the order, hitters have an advantage over a pitcher, theoretically. Yeah, well, I feel bad because I like I used to really like the Yankees and the tradition and the whole thing, but we will still we will still have World Series in New York. The only problem is we got to take the seven train now. Oh man, <laughs> that's the truth, though. Unfortunately, yeah. well, but I'm wishing him well, Buckshaw Walter. Yeah, that's the only thing we got to look forward to right now because they're not going to change. 
uh, Cashman is part of the Steinbrenner family now. Basically, they're yeah. They're stubborn to change. Yep. And unless they change uh, to sell the team, this is going to be like the Red Sox. The Red Sox had it in the family, and it took them way uh, 86 years before they won a championship. And unfortunately, that's the way it looks now. Oh, boy, Bob. No more. No curses. No curses for the New York Yankees like a Red Sox curse. No, no, no. Again, we're not talking about a last-place team. I mean, if if you're tuning into the radio now, you might be like, oh, my God, the Yankees must be in last place after they lost that one game. No, they're still in a good position. They still have good players. It's just I think Yankee fans are kind of trepidatious about the long. The hits keep coming. Oh, what a judgy and blast. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Way up in the bleachers. The fan on 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Bird about. <laughs> Welcome back to McCartney in the morning here on the fan in New York City. Um,. My name is Daniel McCartan, at Coach McCartan on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, T-A-N at the end there. Man, oh man. Um, did, hey, did you guys, did you see that that Major League Baseball has a major change to its master schedule for next season? Not this season, next season. All 30 teams will play each other for the first time ever. And I love it for two reasons. One, selfishly. As, as a person who loves to see baseball games in all of the stadiums, and this weekend I'm going to check off number 21 and 22 with my dad, Labor Day weekend, I, selfishly I actually love this because it gives me a chance to potentially see a meaningful game to me in a different stadium, like a Mets or a Yankee game elsewhere. I mean, we're going to Pittsburgh, we're going to see a Mets game. I can tell you that I saw the Mets with my mom in Miami play the Marlins, I saw the Yankees play the Orioles when we went to Camden Yards, but when I went to St. Louis, we were just talking about St. Louis, I, I don't know who they were playing when I was there. I don't know. I just my, la- my latest one was the Cincinnati Reds. Who are they playing? I can't remember either. So that part I love. Okay, and, and then from a league standpoint, we talk all the time here about trying to grow the game of baseball, right? I'm a coach. I, I'm involved with kids and the whole thing, right? And so what's a way to grow the game of baseball? Well, you saw it. You saw it. You saw it. It was a sellout in Anaheim. Anaheim, who is not known for its attendance figures by any means, sold out with the Yankees and Aaron Judge in town on a on a Monday night. You just don't see that. And I know it's still summertime, but you just don't see that. So from a league standpoint, I mean, think about this. Mike Trout, one of, if not the most talented players in the league. Buried on the Los Angeles Angels. That's a story for another day about him being buried. But Mike Trout, in the course of his 12-year career, I know, 12 years already, right? Um, He's played in exactly, I guess it's now 1,377 games. Only three of them have been at City Field. Three. So next season, with this new schedule set up, he's going to double his total. He's going to have a three-game series in Queens in August at City Field. Okay, that increases exposure and interest in the game. And the same thing with Aaron Judge. He's another face of Major League Baseball, whether you're a Yankee fan or not, right? So he's only played in, in 24 stadiums in his career. 
not as long as Trout's, obviously. But the point being, if you want to grow the game, you got to market your stars. And a good start to that is to get eyes on them in every market throughout the course of a single season. So bravo on Major League Baseball for getting every team to play in every city, or I'm sorry, play against every team uh, starting in 2023. Not that it's every city, but it's every team. But if you can't go to the game, at least you're watching it on TV. You're watching your own team on TV against Mike Trout, against Aaron Judge. So it's a, it's a great thing. It's it's a fantastic thing. Sal in Matawan, you're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. How you doing? Great. How are you? Good, good. Um, I agree with you with uh, uh, with Zach Wilson. I, I think that, you know, uh, that he'll start the first game, um, Blacko, but uh, if he's ready to go in the second game, then you got you got to start got to start Wilson that's because right. at least that second game might be a little bit easier. It'll be against Cleveland, mm-hmm. and you'll ease him in a little bit more. Um, I also think that well, Sal. And here's looking, the other, here's the other thing too. He's the future yeah. of your team. He's not getting any better exactly. with his butt stapled to the bench. You're absolutely right. There's no reason for that. If he's healthy and he's ready to go, he's that's why you drafted him. He's your quarterback. Yep. Um, schedule wise. Uh, you got it a little higher than I think. I mean, their first eight, ten games are, are brutal. You know, they got a lot. They got Buffalo. They got Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. They got Denver. You know, Miami always gives them problems. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm leaning more towards five or six. But as long as they're in the games and they right. and they lose, you know, that's what I want to see. I want to see some improvement. There. Yeah, and it's not um, over by halftime, and you can leave the stadium and go do something else in the yard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That because that's what that, right. that's what I was doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, with the Mets, the same thing. Their schedule. I mean, they got nine basically tough games left. They got the Dodgers, the Brewers, and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. The rest of the schedule. I mean, I'm looking for them to go like 25 and 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 10, 26 and 10. <laughs> Whatever well, they got left. You know, the Mets have the easiest strength of schedule remaining of, of all the teams in Major League Baseball. So, yeah, you would expect them to go on a nice it. run. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, I mean, I'm, I'm a, a, a Mets fan, but I started watching uh, The Captain. Yes. Uh, me, actually, even my wife, who's not even close to thinking about sports, she sat down and watched it with, was watching it with me. I'm in, like, on the fourth episode. Mm-hmm. And if you can build a perfect athlete, you know, for media, you know, just just ha- how he handles himself, it, it's their their cheated. I, I would, if I had a young kid, I'd, I'd give my son to them, to the parents, <laughs> so he could they could raise. Him oh the right no, way I'm sure athletic. you're fine too. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I'm always. <laughs> but it, it's it's amazing how you know he's calculated, but he just knows the right thing to say and the right time to do it. And he he was so clutch. Yep. He was just an amazing, amazing athlete. And as even as a, a Mets fan, I respect that and I appreciate that he was in my my city, so I was able to watch him his whole career. Mm-hmm. And um, listen, did but you wait, go to Sal, Sal, wait before you go on. Oh. That series okay. gets better as it goes. Uh, you're gonna. I want you to call me back and tell me what you think of the last uh, couple episodes. It's it gets better. Well, like I said. The first, the first episode, I pulled my wife in because it was more like family orientated yep. to how how he grew up and everything. Mm-hmm. And she asked me last night. She goes, she goes "Are we going to uh, keep on watching that series nice. on that, the baseball guy?" Okay. The baseball <laughs> like, guy. Okay, sounds like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I did go to Rampo College. Yes. Oh, cool. My my son, my youngest son, graduated from there in 2016. Oh, I was 2010. I wouldn't know him. 
Okay, yeah, you're like my oldest son's age. Yeah, I, I was just curious. I thought I heard that before. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's it's just uh, it's a it's a fun time to be uh, you know a New York sports fan now because you got the optimism for the Jets, you got the Mets and the Yankees rolling, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's <laughs> it's just a fun time now. Yeah, and the Giants are in the middle of a rebuild, uh, you know. But I could see why you could put them fourth in in that list of exciting things going on. All right, Ty, yeah, I appreciate yeah, I, the call. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's an it's an optimistic time here in New York. I mean, you got two of the best teams in Major League Baseball right here. I mean, I know we could talk about football and everything, which we have, which is great. I love it. I mean, this is this is essentially this is a baseball town, right? But I mean, just came off the Subway Series last week. Giants, Jets, MetLife Stadium. I know people that went. People were excited. People were interested in that. Although my friend, a lot of my friends that that did go were gone by halftime. But that's okay. Sparky and Dobbs Ferry, you're up next here on The Fan. Yes, well, Coach, how's everything? <laughs> Everything's good, Sparky. How are you? Okay. Now, as a Jets fan, even though it was only a preseason game, I like the message that Coach Salas sent to his players that at the end of the game when he went for the touchdown instead of a game-tying field goal, mm. just to give them the idea that he's not going to be afraid to take chances and that team's not going to play scared. That's a great point. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Yeah. And one funny jet point. Now, I've been to Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown one time. Mm-hmm. At the souvenir shop, the first thing I bought was a jet Super Bowl plaque. What? <laughs> At the Baseball Hall of Fame? I coach. <laughs> now, I was in eighth grade when the Jets won the Super Bowl. And I saw this plaque, and I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> it, it's just reminding me that I really saw it happen. <laughs> you might okay. never see it again, Sparky. None of us might. <laughs> well, I understand, seriously, what Red Sox fans went through. I mean, it's 53 years. It's kind a, of a long time. I think Is it the longest in the NFL? I think it is. It's. Put it this way, it's kind of long. <laughs> it's a, it's mean, a generation. I, it's a I generation. Mean, coach, I, coach, I was in eighth grade. Yeah. I mean, gosh. Now, as far as the Yanks, I wish you were wrong about Frankie Montez, but you know what's frightening? He looks like Sonny Gray Part 2. That's right. Sonny Gray 2.0, Frankie Montez, as of right now, a month since the trade deadline, yes. And... Scary. You, and the thing, too, that you mentioned, which is true, the team takes on the personality of their coach or manager. Yep. And you are so right, because it seems like with they, the Yanks flat out show no sense of urgency. It's like it doesn't even seem to bother them that they're losing to these lousy teams. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm, I mean, we're going with what we see on TV and stuff. We're not in the clubhouse. We're, you know, behind closed doors. You don't know, but yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. It doesn't look. There's nobody like like Paul O'Neill, uh, you know, banging the water cooler. Or and I know I hated it when it happened, but Brett Gardner. I mean, there's no banging of the dugout. And I hated it. I'm not a you know, but it, there's no fire. It doesn't seem like there's any fire on that team or will to win or will to grind it out or. You know, it's like okay, hunky dory. All right, well, we'll get him next time. And that's and I believe and that's that's what's been happening with Aaron Boone for a long time now. Where where he kind of just I don't know, it just it just permeates from him. It's just this. Uh, well, you know, we got it. We're in a good spot. 
We got it. I don't you like know, that. And Coach, also, Mets fans should be happy because I got to tell you something. Steve Cohen is making Steinbrenner look like a fool because think about this. He is openly and adamantly saying in public he's going to do everything he can mm-hmm. to bring back DeGrom. Yep. Okay. Have you heard anything from Steinbrenner in a positive manner about bringing Judge back? Mm, I know they tried very quietly right before the, but, uh, you, know what? you know, but it's yeah, just, it, right. But, but Coach, it should be emphatic. Yeah. Not like, I mean, this Cohen is, this guy scares the heck out of me because I'm going to tell you, I still think he's going to be with the Mets next year. You know, there's a sneaking little suspicion, and thanks for the call there, Sparky. There's a sneaking little suspicion in the back of my mind um, that thinks the same. And, oh, man, I, I just was curious, and I, I just, you know, kind of just pulled this up. Uh, I've got, we're calling Frankie Montas, Sonny Gray 2.0. Man, oh man, you won't believe it, what I just found out. Stay right there. We'll talk about that. Is Frankie Montas, Sunny Gray 2.0? Yeah, that and more. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 6 a.m. here on The Fan. Whether you're first time, long time, or all the time, call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. McCartan in the morning here on the fan in New York City, rolling right along till the 6 a.m. morning show with Sal and Jerry. And a theme throughout the night has been, oh man, the takeaway from that Yankee game is Frankie Montas and how terrible, horrible, no good, very bad that he is, right? And I mentioned it before and a lot of callers have echoed it that he seems like he is Sonny Gray 2.0. Okay, Sonny Gray had a hard time coming here, etc. And ultimately did better elsewhere. So, I looked at Frankie Montas now has five starts under his belt uh, for the New York Yankees. So I pulled up Sonny Gray's first five starts. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five starts for the New York Yankees. Lo and behold, Sonny Gray had a better first five games as a starter pit, starting pitcher for the New York Yankees. Better than Frankie Montas. I mean, ERA, I mean, just easily comparable stats, right? The ERA for Sonny Gray through his first five with the Yankees, 2.7. Frankie Montas, including the game that just happened, seven ERA, 7.01. Okay, fielding independent pitching, which is, I love that number because it's it, it takes the fielders out of the equation. It's just a number, a, a, a grade for the pitcher. Sonny Gray, three point, I'm going to round up to make it easier, 3.8. Frankie Montas, 5.4. I mean, that's a big difference. On base percentage, it's it's just Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray had a better five-game stretch to begin, you know, his tenure, I guess, his tenure as a New York Yankee pitcher than Frankie Montas. I mean, that in and of itself is just mind-blowing that, that Sonny Gray, who people ran out of this town, has had a markedly better first five games as a New York Yankee pitcher than Frankie Montas. I mean, that's all you need to know, right? 877-337-6666. Sus is standing by to West Babylon we go. Mark, welcome to the show. Good morning, Danielle. How you doing? Great. How are you? All right. 
Listen, I'd like to uh, respectfully disagree with you as far as Cashman being on a hot seat, uh, refining judge. Okay. Now, last week, I was at Paul O'Neill Day, Mm -hmm. and uh, Al came out to present Paul with his trophy for retiring his number. And I got to tell you, I really was surprised. I mean, he got booed pretty good. He really did. Mm -hmm. And... You're not fooling the Yankee fans. You're really not. I mean, they had their shot at Judge. Now, Judge has earned the right at the end of the year to hear what's out there. And we don't even Maybe he does want to go back to California. I mean, last night sure didn't hurt. I mean, that's probably him, not the Yankees. And if the Yankees don't reach him, they lose their centerpiece. They lose their identity. Yeah. And Hal might as well sign the team. He might as well sell the team if, <laughs> if they lose Judge. He really, he really should. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really all I got to say about that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not really... Uh, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees thought, brought what they thought was their best offer to Aaron Judge. He declined it. He bet on himself. And now the onus is back on the Yankees to, to, to try to save face. I mean, the judges' chambers are going to have to get rid of that. I mean, he is the face of Major League Baseball in a way, you know, not just the Yankee team. And, and that's going to look real bad across the league. Oh, my God. And like I said, if they lose him, I mean, that's their identity. Yes. I yeah. mean, it really is. And we don't know what Aaron wants to do. Maybe he does want to go back to California. Well, I, I mean, mean sometimes it, I, go ahead. Yeah. No, I really feel like sometimes maybe he does want to go back and I say to myself, oh, my God, if he leaves, I mean, I feel like I almost got to look for another team. <laughs> I mean, that would, that would take him a long time to rebound from losing him. Yeah, I, oh, really, it, it will. Hey, you know what, Mark? Maybe the new team is going to be wherever he ends up going. I mean, he's that kind of player. He's that kind of man. He's oh. a good person. And maybe that's your new team. I don't know. But hopefully. I tell uh, you. I'm sorry once again, Danielle. Oh, that's okay. I'm 55 years old, and I didn't really see Mickey Mantle totally during his prime. Yeah. But that man moved me. I love the Yankees because of him. Mm-hmm. He was so humble. He was so good. And that's exactly what Aaron Judge does. Yes. I mean, that man is so humble. Mm-hmm. He is so good. He, he's he's just incredible. Yep. He really is. Yes, he is, Mark. And, and you're right. On, you're right on target with that. I mean, the, the one. I mean, the one story that that. And, and I'm not there every day. Like I'm not in the clubhouse every day. But when I when I one of the times where I did go in earlier in the spring, it was spring break at school. So I was like, ah, I'm not going to go anywhere. Let me go to Yankee Stadium, right? Uh, Dumont Little League had asked me to throw out the first pitch um, in their for their opening day ceremony. Uh, glad to do. It. I loved it. I, I used to be in the parade when I was that parade, you know. So um, I, I just was just talking to Aaron Judge about it, and I had an idea as I was talking to him. I was like, "Hey, maybe we, I, I, in my speech that I have to give after I throw out the first pitch, um, you know, wouldn't it be, would I be able to like play a little message for the kids from you, Aaron Judge?" He was like. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, okay. So I kind of just held my phone up like to his to his mouth. We were in the clubhouse, and he's like, like looking at me. I was like, okay, like yeah, go. He's like, hey everybody, this is Aaron Judge. I, you know what? I have the message. I let me see if I can play it real quick. Um, and of course, I mean, obviously, this is not like a top secret because I played it for the entire Dumont Little League. 
I think I have it very handy. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the message that Aaron Judge, I mean, he didn't have to do this, you know? Here's what Aaron Judge had to say to the Dumont Little Leaguers for their opening day. Hey, guys. It's uh, Aaron Judge here with the New York Yankees. Um, you know, hope you guys are all excited for the big day. It's a fun day. You know, go out there, enjoy it. You know, listen to your coaches. And uh, most importantly, have fun. All right. Best of luck, everybody. I mean, how awesome. I mean, the kids went nuts. The kids actually went nuts. So, you know, cool. Like, you can't let this guy go. You just can't if you're the Steinbrenners. He's beloved here. So, I, I, Aaron Judge, if you're listening, thank you. I haven't gotten a chance to t- say thank you to you for doing that. But, I mean, the kids went nuts. What if he goes to, to, to San Francisco? You know, it's just, you know, you're right. Aaron Judge is the identity of that team. You're right. To Pal Park we go. Frank, you're up on the fan. Frank. Hi, Daniel. How's everything going? Good, yeah. good. Hi, oh, I thought Daniel. I lost you there. What's going on? Hi, uh, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, people might remember. I don't know if people remember this, but George Steinberg, I know they, they, they want to, like, you know, you know, they want to sanctify him and make him sound like he was a, great owner he was nobody can ever question his commitment to winning yeah one of the best owners when it came to winning yeah but he wasn't he wasn't the saint that everyone makes him out to be because sure. he, he was he <laughs> i remember, I, remember twi- I, he, I think he was um suspended twice from baseball correct uh i know of the one time i don't know of the another a second time but i definitely know definitely yeah, he, once he was he was suspended twice okay. once for illegally contributing to richard m nixon's fund yeah Re-election fund, mm-hmm. and the second we're trying to find dirt on Dave Winfield. That was that so was the one I know about, the Dave Winfield one. Yes, his first suspension was for illegally contributing to Richard M. Nixon's re-election fund. Okay, and uh, I'm not really certain about that, but uh, I do know that's what he was suspended for. But he wasn't the great. He wasn't always that great. Sure. I know nobody nobody can question his commitment to winning, but he wasn't the great saint. Everyone makes him make him sound makes him out to be. Yeah. Um, That's a fair point. Yeah, sure. And and the the it must have been really hard to work in that environment too. You know, knowing that if you make one toenail out of line, you're fired. You know that that couldn't have been good. Yeah. The turnover and all that. Sure. I don't know if it would work in today's society. I really don't. Well, I don't know. I mean, he did he did he did last until his uh, retirement. I think he fell out of health and uh, yeah. Well, son, I can't remember when his son took over, but. He did. He did last until the 2000s. So you got to give him credit for that. I know, but, but he wasn't we're in 2022. Same. That's 20 years ago. But he. But he's not the same old Nixon out to be. He did have a shortcomings, yeah. but he was point well one taken. of the greatest owners. Okay, and the other thing I wanted to make mention of. I know everyone keeps mentioning the division. Oh, oh, we're we're down to seven games. Don't worry about the teams in our division. We can take on the Toronto Blue Jays. We yeah. can take on. Any, if we go, let's just say we make it to the uh, wild card, mm-hmm. we can take on those other teams. Sure. The one team we really should worry about is Houston. That's right. Yep, Frank, you nailed no it. One, yes. No one seems to. No one seems to keep that in mind. No, Frank. No when, one, when I was making my my prognostications for trade deadline, I, I was saying that I was like. I don't care about any of the teams. The Blue, Jays, the Blue Jays don't scare me. None of the other teams. This team, you need to look at this team and construct this team in a manner that's going to beat the Houston Astros. They are the one thing standing in the way. Exactly. Yes. Right now, Houston has the best record. If they win the best record in the American League, that's it. Game over. If they have the best record at the end of the season, the Yankees aren't doing anything. Yep. Because if it, goes, if it goes to seven games, 
the seven games in Houston, they got the advantage, and I'm giving it to them. Yep. That's it. Me game too. over. Yep, game over. Right. And, and and if you're a fan of the show, a listener to the show, you know that that was my mentality. I, people were like blasting me for it. Like, well, well, there's other teams involved. No, no, no. The Yankees are on a collision course with the Houston Astros in the ALCS. Collision course. Okay? And and that is the team that needs to be in the primary focus. You stack this Yankees starting pitching rotation up against a healthy, you know, un, not injured Justin Verlander, which I think he's going to be fine. It's not an arm thing. It's just a calf. He'll be back. Uh, advantage, Houston. So, yes, you needed to, to look at this Yankee roster and say, how what can I do to, 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 to make this roster better to be able to beat the Houston Astros? And I... With Frankie Montas having a worst, a worse five game stretch than 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 Sonny Gray in the first five starts, yeah, I'd, I'd venture to guess that they didn't do enough. Factually based, I looked at it. I don't know if you're just tuning in, but I did look at it. Frankie Montas is having a worse five game uh, start with the New York Yankees than Sonny Gray did. In the easily comparable stats, of course. I'm live on the radio, you know. All right, let's go to Clifton, New Jersey. Ed, you're up on the fan. Hey, good morning, Danielle. Great job, as always. Thank you, thank you. And I also want to throw a shout-out to the gentleman who answers the phone. He's very polite and very nice. Sus. You got some love there, Sus. (laughs) (laughs) He's laughing. Uh, Huge Jet fan over here. Yeah. Um, You you brought up an excellent point a little while ago, which didn't even dawn on me. Uh, Zach Wilson and the injury, the fact that he bulked himself up. How much did that contribute to it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but maybe. It could have. Yeah. And uh, but I have to respectfully disagree with you. I, I say even if he says that he's ready to jump out of airplanes, I think you sit him the first week uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's the same knee that he injured last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, um, I think any time that uh, you you have a chance to have a rookie quarterback, not, well, a young quarterback like him, to be able to sit on the sidelines and watch a veteran do things without a controversy quarterback situation mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in the headlines. I think you take advantage of that. I mean, like you said, the Jets are probably not going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be advantageous to him because there, there are times when I love the guy, he's our future, but I see him out there doing knucklehead, quote-unquote, hero uh, ball. Mark, yeah. Mark Sanchez plays, <laughs> like like where he got injured. Not Run the butt fumble, no. I'm just kidding. Run out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, and uh, I but, just think that, and you look at the difference between him last year, before he got injured, and after. He got so much out of sitting wherever he was sitting in the stadium and watching what was going on. You know, he was in the suites on Sunday. I, they showed that on TV. But you know what, though, Ed, the one thing I would say is, like, those things, those things are running out of bounds, like knowing when to throw the ball away. Th- those are feel-type things. you got to feel that as a player. You can't, yeah, you can't right. watch that, you know? So, uh, listen— if Zach Wilson said he's, ha, says he's ready to go, which I'm sure he will, he's an athlete. Listen, it's got to be cleared by the by the, the the doctors and the team and all that. So um, the second that he's ready, I think he should sit week one. I don't think he's going to be ready anyway. Mm-hmm. Sitting that week one, making sure he's 100. percent But but if he's ready to go week two, even if the Jets beat the Ravens, he mm-hmm. has to play in week two. And you make a good point. I guess the Browns, it'll be a different story than playing yeah. the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Keep up the great work. Oh, thanks, I, I love hearing you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that, that that's how I feel about that. So there's only so much you can do, especially as a second-year quarterback, by watching. You have to do a lot by doing at this point. You know, you studied the playbook. You've watched. you watched this, that, practice, all that. Sometimes you just have to go. There's some things that you just have to feel. And if you're an athlete, 
played sports, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so we've talked some Jets stuff. I want to do one Giants thing because it's officially Tuesday and it's officially rust- roster cutdown day across the NFL. And allegedly the Giants and Joe Shane are quote unquote open for business. And that's that comes right from the head coach. So uh, there's another guy, Darius Slayton, reportedly on the chopping block. I think it's a mistake. Darius Slayton needs to be on this Giants roster week one and beyond. I am Danielle McCartan, and we'll talk a little New York Giants football here on The Fan at 877-337-6666. Yankees baseball is on The Fan. Swing on, there it goes. Deep right, it is high. It is far. It is gone. The home of the New York Yankees is WFAN. It couldn't have come at a better time. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan in New York City. Good morning. Wake it up. Get out there. Get after it. Early early bird gets the worm. Go collect some worms today, all right? Um, The one thing I want to talk about the Giants real quick, and then we'll get back to the Yankee calls, of course. But listen, if you're you're the Giants, right? Today's Tuesday. Roster trim down day is today. Rosters are trimming down to 53. And Adam Schefter had a really good tweet on Monday morning, and he wrote, over the next two days, 864 players will be released. Some will be brought back for practice squads. Some will, some others will catch on with another team. But for many, this could be the end of their football playing days. And that's from Adam Schefter, and that, that is true. And I'm, I'm seeing and I'm hearing that Darius Slayton is on the chopping block for the Giants. Darius Slayton, the diamond in the rough, is on the chopping block in East Rutherford. And I think it would be a mistake if Slayton is not in a Giants uniform this season. For, I mean, one, this whole season, whether you like him or not, this whole season is predicated on figuring out if Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the future. Right? Because if if he if the Giants did not believe in him, they, they would have they would have drafted one or, or traded or whatever. Signed Jimmy Garoppolo, who's now back with the 49ers, right? So so the Giants still believe that this is a, a, a trial period, trial year for Daniel Jones, the last of them. But so so make it less about Darius Slayton and more about Daniel Jones, because that's his favorite wide receiver. And I knew it, but I wanted to back it up. The first year that that uh Slayton was on the team. Jones targeted him and Shepard for the second most on the team. Golden Tate was the top target. But he only had two more targets in the both of them. Okay? 2020, Slayton led the team in targets. 2021, which was a disappointing season for Slayton, but he missed four games. He was still the second most targeted wide receiver on the team. So make it less about Slayton and more about the development of Daniel Jones. And the Giants, they're expecting to keep six wide receivers. Okay, Galladay. He's got to make the team because the Giants are unable to find someone to take on that ridiculous contract that they gave him. So Galladay, Tony, Wandale Robinson, Shepard is five, Sills, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, wait, I, I count the wrong. Galladay, Tony, Robinson, Shepard, David Sills I really like. I hope he makes the team. I think he's he's going to be a good wide receiver. And Darius Slayton is six. Those are the guys that I'm keeping. And... Slayton said he doesn't know what to expect. 
He said, at the end of the day, it's meant if it's meant for me to be here, I'll be here. If not, I won't. I do, though, understand that there are teams, plural, asking about him. And he would only constitute a, a dead cap hit of, of like $60,000. So it, it would be an easy cut for the Giants to make, an inexpensive one for the Giants to make if they were to cut him. Or it would be a good deal to be had. Because he's on the, the, this is the expiring year of his contract. So, whereas the Jets held on to Denzel Mims probably for too long, while there are calls still coming in for Slayton, maybe you make a deal for him. But I, I would just caution against it. I would not do it. Um, since he is Daniel Jones' favorite wide receiver, and this year is all about Daniel Jones, especially in an offensive system, and they talked about this at practice, it's an offensive system that is predicated on timing patterns and just this inherent trust factor between the quarterback and his pass catchers. So why not have Daniel Jones' most favorite target out there um, on the field with him? Just my two cents. 877-337-6666. Let's go to Manhattan and Barry. You're with us on the fan. Welcome. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? I just okay. I'm great. It's such a pleasure to listen to you in the mornings on my way to work. Thank you. I'm, I'm 72. I'm a lifelong Yankee fan. Okay. Mickey Mantle was my idol growing up. Mm-hmm. I've never ever had the feelings I can do for a player like I do for Judge. Oh no! Is this going to get the weird, Yankee, there, Barry? <laughs> it, it, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's let him go. They'll be making the biggest mistake in their history. Yeah. I truly believe that. He's such a fan favorite. And the kids, and that's what it's about. It's, it's about winning. There's no question about that. And they have the best chance to win with him as their centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think it'll hurt the franchise. And, and Judge doesn't want to leave. He just doesn't want to be disrespected. And that's what he feels like the Yankees are doing to him. You know, yes, he's had some injury issues, and he's older than most. You know, he's not... He, he, he didn't come out until he was older. So, you know, don't give him 10 years. Give him six years, but pay him. Pay him and keep him. Make him a career Yankee. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel stronger about him than I did about Jeter, and I was a big Jeter fan. Yeah. Listen, he's got to be. He's the face of the Yankees. He's the face he of baseball. He people out. He, yeah. He, yeah. Like Susan Susan said this one time, Barry. Susan said this, I was listening, and she said, Aaron Judge, like if if you're at the game, right, and and Aaron Judge is coming up in the bottom of the eighth, he's one of those guys that you you wait around and and, and wait to see. And and, and therefore, the concessions, and now I'm I'm saying this, that you you pay for another beer or something. You're like, ah, he's coming up in the eighth probably. Let me get another beer before it closes. You know, so it brings in, just having him on the roster just brings in revenue for the team no matter what. It's like last night. I, I have to. I get up every day at four o'clock to go to work, and I have a long drive to work. I'm in the car now driving, mm-hmm. and I stayed up because I knew Judge was coming up in the See? eighth inning. Yep, we were trailing four two. I said, "All right, we got a shot. We got Judge coming up." Yep, and sure enough, he hits a home run. Yep, unfortunately, we didn't do anything else. Yep, but you know, uh, I just don't get the Yankees theory. Well, the theory, about- well, the theory is this. The, the theory is that you, you he, I think in my heart of hearts that Aaron Judge was pissed off, not about the money, but about the number of years, right? So this is his one chance to go ahead and, and, and run to the bank, right? So I, think, that, I think he was pissed off about the number of years that the, the Yankees were offering him, not the dollar amount per se. So 
you know, I think the Yankees are afraid of, okay, well, he's a big dude. We don't know how much longer he's going to be able to play in the field. This is unprecedented territory. Right. We don't we don't want him on the team for 10 years if he's only going to contribute in the field for four. That's the Yankees thinking, and it's a totally fine way of thinking, but for a guy like this, it, you're right, Barry. You, you got you to gotta go all out for this guy. You have to. You do. You do. You, yeah. you, you know, I, I watch him in center field and hit home runs, and I get flashes of mantle. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I grew up watching the Mick. Yeah. You know, he was like, he was like the best. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was nothing like him. And, you know, if he didn't get hurt, God knows what he would have done. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, his career was cut short because of knee injuries, uh, because of the old Yankee Stadium, the way it was built. It was yes. terrible. Yeah. They yeah. had drains on the field. Yep. And that's, and that's how he hurt his knee, right? Yeah. 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 He stepped in one of them drains. He tore his knees up. Yeah. Well, Barry, and, uh, the, the one thing I will say, Barry, is that, that, that Aaron Judge is giving you shades of, of the, mar- the ma- mantle and the Maris. And, I mean, he's got... What, 11 to go to tie, 12 to break it. He's going to do it, and I want to be there when it happens. The legends of Yankees baseball. It is gone. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Hit number 3,000. Derek Jeter has achieved another milestone in his Hall of Fame career. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan in New York City. Moments away from the morning show with Jerry Recco, Sal Licata, coming your way in just a few minutes here. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I posted on social media, uh, as we just talked about on WFAN, Frankie Montas's first five starts as a New York Yankee are worse by far than Sonny Gray's first five starts as a Yankee. Not hyperbole. Go and check the numbers yourself. Yikes. So I posted that on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And, and I also on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, and I got a great response. It made me laugh out loud on the commercial. Alex Current said, I'm good. I'm not checking the numbers. I'd rather, th- I'd rather not throw up to start my Tuesday. Sorry. Sorry about that. But that made me laugh. <laughs> All right. Uh, as we close it out here, we go to Ali in Riverside. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Long time no speak. I know. How are it's you? been a while. How are you? Good, good. So, you know, I was going to come on the show and, and talk about the Yankees falling apart, but you gave me time to think. And um, so I'm looking at this team right now, right? They're obviously in a little bit of a struggle with their pitching and their hitting. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's not the pitching, it's the hitting. Mm-hmm. But look, there are signs of optimism. Uh, one of them being uh, Domingo Herman. Yeah, we know what he was capable of before he had that incident getting suspended. Um, I feel like he could be a solid number two. I think with Nestor, uh, you know, with the injury slash resting, maybe he comes back and we know what he can do, right? Yeah, and yeah. then it's just it's, it's, it's uh, Cole. Cole's a flip of a coin. Dominic Cole, you uh, know, you're good. Or you get the other call and, you know, it's four, four runs in the first inning. But with that being said, I mean, we need to obviously win the division. Um, and there's a lot of important games coming up. So, I mean, that's what it comes down to. But with going into, let's just say worst-case scenario, going into a, a playing game, uh, I'm confident with, with what those three pitchers. And we don't know what Seve is going to be like. 
Um, but I'm confident with those three pitchers to, to lead them into the postseason. Because you know it's going to be different baseball. Everything's different mm-hmm. in the postseason. Mm-hmm. That could be a good thing for the Yankees. But most importantly, you've got to win the division. And uh, that's it, Danielle. That's what I got. When are you going to come visit me for a Levine cookie? For what? For what? He hung up. Not me. I have no idea what he said. A cookie? Sus, is that, is that what he said? When am I going to come and visit him for a cookie? I don't know. I have no idea. Ali is usually a good caller. I don't know what that was. But, uh, yeah, obviously the emphasis is is, is uh, winning the division, right? Obviously. I mean, you have, you have to. You, you have to win as many games as possible. This is not the NBA where you just kind of just turn it on in the postseason. Postseason is a different animal. You've got... The, the best pitchers in baseball, the best pitching staffs in baseball. And, you know, sometimes when you, you look and you're like, all right, at least I can get into the to the, to the bullpen and, and do some damage there. Oftentimes in the, in the postseason, I don't need to tell you that, that a lot of those times, those bullpens are not, you know, the soft spot. Well, maybe if you're in the Mets, possibly it could be. But, yeah, I mean, the Yankee lineup is another thing, too. Is, is, is it the pitching or is it the hitting that, that holds the Yankees back? And at times... I, I do think it's it's more of more of a hitting problem than a pitching problem. So we could divulge or get into that and discuss that tomorrow, this time tomorrow. So thanks to, to the callers. Could not have done this without you if you called in tonight. I love coming here and talking with you each and every time. If you missed any portion of today's show, you hit that Odyssey app, free Odyssey app, rewind feature. Select the start of the show, which is 2 a.m. Great job to Susumu Araki behind the glass today. To Jack Stern, Peter Schwartz on sports on the updates. And I will see you 2 to 6 a.m. Wednesday morning to complete the McCartan after midnight. McCartan in the morning, triple header. In the meantime, you can hit my social media at Coach McCartan, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We'll keep the conversation going. The morning show with Jerry and Sal next here on The Fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Fan. WFAN. WFAN, WFAN FM, WFAN FM HD1, New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Your teams, your station. Call the fan at 877 337 6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices.